Hello and welcome to Game Brain, a board game podcast with your host, Matthew Robinson, and his gaming group. And his gaming group, indeed. Because tonight, That's we've got the whole eight. The Fab Eight. I don't know what, what, what to call you guys. Currently, the Hateful Eight. The Hateful Eight. There we go. We'll so take it. So now we get to kill each other? Yes. This is the beginning of our second round. This is round two, turn one. And as I'm going to try to do at the beginning of every round, just have everybody together, do a little State of the Union. I almost wanted to say State of the Un, but then I finished the word. Uh, how do you guys feel this, for this whole first round went? What are your feelings? Give me some thoughts. Incredible. I love how different everybody's episode was. Yeah. And unpredictably so. I think so. I, I, I agree. I mean, let's take a, let's, I'm just going to walk us through our eight apps real quick. And, um, you know, if anybody has any thoughts about them, I'd love to hear them. The first episode was a lot of work, a lot of nerves, a lot of uh, preparation to get it already, a lot of equipment, a lot of technical things for me. I felt it went, it went well. I have it down to a science now. I can set the podcast up and be recording in 10 minutes, tear it down in 10 minutes, have my prep time down to about an hour, two hours of the week. It's doable with my work schedule. So it feels, it feels like we can continue this. It's doable. Everybody feel it works with your Thanks schedules? For work. Yeah. Well, you're welcome. Yeah, you've been killing it, Maddie. Thank you very much. We are, uh, this feels like a real board game group right now because while we're recording this, we are punching board games, getting ready for our game night. I mean, we have, uh, we have a serious game. We are punching Escape Plan here, the new Vital Lacerda game. Which, My favorite part of uh, game night. Punching it. Well, definitely one of mine is organizing them, but I'd like to thank Tom for stopping on the way to pick up a copy that we secured <laughs> so that we could play it tonight. Is that what I did? Did I, did I stop for it? Well, you went and waited, and uh, our, our eBay transaction was 20 minutes delayed. Uh, I waited on a street corner for a half an hour <laughs> with, with doormen staring at me, yeah, trying think- to figure out whether they should call the cops. With every single person that was walking by, I had to do, I had to, you know, do the look up, look down. Yeah. Could this possibly be the person I'm supposed to meet? Yeah. I didn't know gender. I didn't know anything. I, yeah, I didn't know anything either. I just had a, an eBay account house. name. Uh, but I feel like thematically that works for uh, the game that, that you picked up, which is a game about crimes. Very much so. Um, episode two, Trey was brought into the mix. I feel like we, uh, we found our stride a little bit. Uh, it felt good. Trey, how did you feel about your episode? Um, I got a lot of nice comments back. You know, People are happy to point out the times I confused input randomness and output randomness, which was... The whole point of my wait. Are you saying that that are you saying that people who like board games might be the same type of people who want to correct you when you're wrong about something? It does appear to be the case here. Yes. Yeah. Uh, not surprising. Um, has anybody else been having uh, any any interesting feedback so far? Has anybody uh, had some people tell them anything interesting about the show? I could say that I got an email from Mike Hayes. Mike Hayes is the guy who makes copies of warlord classic warlord yes in his garage somewhere in england which tom talked about on uh on episode one on the first podcast and when you're that small a, a, a game producer yeah uh we we you know the, we moved some copies for the him? robinson bump was in full <laughs> of the, the robinson bump was in full effect he sent me this note saying my goodness we're getting a lot of people suddenly ordering our our game we, we just want to Thank you. Thank you. So, yeah. Factories of working overtime. Sweetie, there's another one. Yeah. Got to make a third copy. 
Well, that's awesome. I, I have been surprised by the amount of people listening. I, you know, I, I, I had a, a, a mildly successful podcast before this, so I, I cheated a little bit and was able to bring along some people from a previous podcast as opposed to many people who start from scratch. But, you know, I figured we'd get a couple hundred people listening, but we've got a, we've got a sizable audience listening. So I'm very thankful to all of you for listening. Uh, go ahead, My Trey. My girlfriend is listening. She does not. I mean, we've played a few board games, but like the content doesn't matter. This she just wants to know about my friends. Well, that's good. I'm see that that is to me. I think what potentially separates this podcast from other podcasts is that even if you don't love board games, I think you can relate to the friendships we all have and uh, the way we all bicker and you know get along and, and relate and learn about each other. And hopefully, that is uh, something interesting. Uh, it almost does feel like this is a machination to discover more of our personal stories rather than just the gameplay banter that goes on during game night, which is super appreciable. This is wonderful. Yeah. Paul, do you feel you've learned things about people you didn't know before? <laughs> no, I've known everything about all these people. My CIA uh, dossier has all their information, but thank you for asking. Well, Paul's security clearance is so high, it's classified. Uh, he, uh, you did mention though that you, you enjoyed the episode with Jesse where we got, we got pretty personal, talked about our, our past and our families. I want to hear about this. Yeah. If you listen to the podcast, Jesse, (laughs) you'll find that. That was a test. That was a test. But, but yeah, you know, like, uh, I, I do like hearing people's backstories. Uh, and, uh, and I think Jesse shared his, uh, and I'm. Excited to hear everyone else's. What do you guys think the over-under is on the number of episodes other than his own that Jesse has listened to? <laughs> I, think, I, I think he's listened to almost all. I have listened to all of them except Paul's, which aired yesterday. <laughs> it aired yesterday. So I was correct, all but one. <laughs> when Jesse listens to Paul's episode, he's going to feel really bad. Uh, no, that, that, that's not true at all. I think he's going to be very proud. He's going to be very touched and proud, I Dimitri. I think, you, I think you're a great Street Fighter character. I think you're wonderful. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Hold on. Hold on. We get to play the game oh, for real. Yeah. Wait, hold oh, on. Because he doesn't know. Hold on. So, wait, Jesse, you, you have not listened to Paul's episode, right? I have not. Jesse. Yeah. Oh, my God. This is the greatest thing that's ever happened. Wonderful. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Jesse. Yes. What Street Fighter character are you, if you had to pick one, in Street Fighter 2? What? What do you think I no, am? No, no, no. Just what are yourself. you? Who are you? If oh. you had to pick a character for yourself in Street Fighter 2, who are you, Jesse? I could not have set this up better. Oh, man. I don't know. I feel... I played... Oh, I'm bracing myself. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like somebody's going to say Dalsum because I'm skinny. But Think play style. Don't think... Yeah, don't yeah, think yeah, nobody's yeah. going to respond to your final answer. I was never good at Guile. Um, Ryu or Blanca was actually my go-to. Interesting. Okay. Emotionally? Yeah. Who do you connect with on a deep, personal level? I feel like when I get angry, I just like lightning just starts coming out of me. So you're okay. So you go Blanca. I've not thought about this. Let me think about it for a second. All right. Well, no, it's interesting. I, I don't. Th- I think thinking about it will hurt it. Do I you think, guys all have an answer to this? Yes. Well, Paul oh, yeah. had an answer for everybody oh, in the okay. group of who they were in Street Fighter 2. I don't know if he was wrong about you. Do you want, <laughs> do you want to know who he said you were? Of course I do. Vega. Oh, that's Street Fighter 2. I was, I was actually <laughs> going to pick Vega. No, he's actually right. He's actually right. Vega, yeah. Yeah. for sure. And thank you, by the way. Is that who you played? 
Oh yeah. Oh my god. Amazing. I thought we were going like the basics. No, 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 so, no, well, Street Fighter Two Championship okay. Edition. That, but that was the real deal. That was the one everybody totally played. Vega. Yeah. You're, uh, I love you, Paul. And we nailed it. <laughs> Then we nailed it. Uh, let's we, we we reviewed some great games. I, I think I feel like uh, I was trying to come up with a, a curate a nice collection of games, but because we, we tend to play very heavy games, and I don't want to only talk about heavy games on this podcast. Although we will be always talking about heavy games, but not only. We 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 opened up with Wingspan, which is definitely the game of the year in terms of what people are talking about, and is in a New York Times article. Coimbra, we talked about, one of our favorite medium weight euros, a fantastic game for anybody who likes games. One of the greatest games of the last 10 years, Great Western Trail. We talked about the new expansion, probably the most interesting expansion of the year. Solenia was a very interesting little lighter game. We went to the lighter side, but also from a very interesting designer uh, who, who did Trois. Talked about, we did a Resistance Avalon deep dive. If you like your secret trader games, and, and you have not listened to that episode. I, I really recommend you check out our Resistance Avalon Strategy Deep Dive. Probably got the most response on Facebook. Probably the most yeah. conversation going on. Well, people on are very opinionated on their strategies on the ways to play. Speaking of Facebook, we have a wonderful Facebook group that is moderated by all eight of us. It is the best way to talk with us. You can join our group on Facebook. It's just Game Brain Group Podcast on Facebook. Join up. Uh, we you start seeing that very signature art style, you know, immediately it's us. Yes, and exactly. Thanks again, a big shout. Edamaros Peleg for yes, being our incredible Edamaros. graphic designer and Liam York for designing our web page and doing such a great job of updating it and adding the little check marks every week to our eight by eight challenge for me. He's been fantastic. So thank you to both of those two. Those are two big behind the scene champions of this podcast. Uh, Chronicles of Crime with Jesse. We got into a, uh, a, a a different type of game for us than we normally play. I, I always, I hope we always have at least one game outside of our comfort zone. We can talk about every episode, every round. Terraforming Mars Colonies. Another great expansion. Two expansions in this round. I didn't expect that to happen. And Quacks of Quedlinburg, the Spiel de Jaris winner. Quacks and Packs. These what is that? Quack attack. Quack attack. Uh, <laughs> so, so I feel like that's a cool that you know, I feel like that that'll give you a good idea of what you can expect from the show in the future. Um, we may sometimes tend a little more uh, heavy. I think I'm gonna back off a little bit on always trying to be reviewing new games. And I think we'll eventually dip into just reviewing great games, reviewing gems you might have missed. Always we'd want to try to be informative with our reviews. We're not just going to be reviewing games just because we want to talk about them. But um, I think you'll get a mix of uh, new hotness as well as just great gems that you may have missed out on that you might want to add to your collection. Absolutely. Um, I'm going to unveil the theme for our next round. We are going to have themes every round. The last round did not have a theme because we're just, the theme is welcome to our podcast. We Getting hope you to enjoy know you. it. Getting to know you is the theme. The theme for the next round is going to be top tens. Every episode is going to have a different top ten theme. And that will be the guest specific segment for that one in which you talk about it. And the segment will be tailored towards that guest. Uh, this week we are going to have Tom back on as the first guest and he is going to, we're going to do top 10 games that aren't in everybody's top 10 games, <laughs> which I think is an awesome title. Thank you, Tom, for coming up with that. I'm excited to hear your top 10 games that aren't in everyone's top 10s. This is the most Tom thing. I, I think this is Isn't no, that great? great. Yeah. The other thing is, is, is that um, if we just did top 10 games, Matt and I would probably have at least five game crossover. 
I don't I don't know if you and I are going to cross over on at a all. single at all game. No, because the games that yeah we might I might be I might get into some more thematic areas here. It's it's actually yeah I, I, was, I was thinking about it. I was thinking the top ten games that are not in everybody's top ten games for me say so much more about me yeah. than what my top 10 games yeah, 100%, are. Yeah, 100%. Absolutely. So I'm looking forward and, to it. And once those games make it on that list, they automatically pop out of existence because of the <laughs> paradox that's created. Yes, exactly. And, and hopefully uh, they're all, they will all sell out instantly and become uh, very valuable. Yeah, let's get and then Tom, the Robinson bump. And, get, yeah, exactly. That's right. Let's have people in their garages just saying, Marge, I think Tom's, more copies. Tom's true victory condition here is attempting to raise the value of all of his underappreciated <laughs> board games and then sell them all on eBay the minute they're sold out everywhere after the episode goes live. I got a question. I kind of want to get in on this. Like, is there, is there something to, like, that's a good idea, but it, should it just be Tom and Matt's? Like, I know you don't want 10 from me, but I'd like to, like, chip in what? three, well, like, you know, or something. Like that. You know what? I think that's fine. Okay. I mean, so. We're all going to have our list. So sure, here's sure, the thing. Sure. We will announce. That's thank you for this. Is see, it's a collaborative. This is collaborative, guys. We're not going to record our portion in, uh, for another couple of days. Yeah. Yet, so, so every if, week, I will let you guys know what the top ten is in advance. And if you have opinions or thoughts or want to get in on it, send me your top ten, and we will talk about it on the podcast. Or top top three. Yeah, give yeah. me three. We'll limit it to three, of course. Um, but you also had uh, a, a great top ten that you had mentioned before you wanted to do, which is maybe top ten underappreciated and top ten overappreciated games, which I think could be very interesting as well. I think people would have opinions on that too, right? Everybody would have their own, their three of like, I know this is a good game, but it's not for me. Avalon. <laughs> <laughs> cough, cough, Spirit Island, cough, cough. Uh, yeah, uh, I, you know, I was thinking a good one for Jake would be top 10 board game themes. Themes that you get excited about. What, what, what genres or vibes or... That's a great one. I love just that. number one is dwarves. <laughs> number one with a bullet, dwarves. Magical ponies, number Magical two. Magical ponies, number two. Exploding cats, number three. Uh, so yeah, everybody think about your top tens. I think it's going to be a fun thing. Everybody loves lists. Who doesn't love lists? I don't know. Maybe you don't. I love lists. Uh, obviously, we're still going to be doing a review every time, but that will be sort of the theme for it. We have a wonderful contest happening right now. I have already gotten uh, just people pouring in these great submissions. By the time you're hearing this, you will have two days to get in your submission for our contest. Our contest is this. We want to hear about who you game with. We want to hear about your game group. We want to hear about your game partner. We want to hear about if you game by yourself. And I just want to hear something about it. Be creative. Tell me something about it. Write a song. Write a poem. Draw a picture. Record yourself talking about them. Send me an essay. Whatever you want. All eight of us are going to look at every submission. And we're each going to vote for three. Whoever gets the most votes. Well, I'm going to call your local game store and put a $100 bar tab in your name. You walk into your game store, you got 100 bucks waiting for you. Spend it on whatever you want. Dole it out over time. Blow it all in one shot. Whatever you want to do with that 100 bucks. You could buy seven fillers. You could buy <laughs> half of a splatter. You could pre-order, yeah, pre-order a Vital Asserta game for two years from now and just have it locked down. No, you don't have to do that. You just stand on the street corner for an hour and they give it to you. <laughs> Apparently. Uh, well, guys, I wanted to keep this brief. We're at 15 minutes. So we just wanted to check in. Does anybody have anything they want to say? Any announcements? Uh, oh, shoot. Turn order. So here, here, look, we've talked a lot about turn order. I think because the way it's worked out right now, in order to completely switch around the turn order would mean that some people who you didn't hear since the beginning of the last one, if they for some reason, like, like let's say Tom or Trey, if they went seven or eighth, 
in the turn order this round, it would be four months in between episodes of theirs, which feels like a broken <laughs> mechanism somehow. I'm not sure where America is right now. <laughs> we can we can sustain that. I'm not sure. Yeah, I know. I think it just gets weird. Like it just means like I don't know. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna stick with turn order for now. But I'm opening. You guys are allowed, much like a, a negotiation game, to 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 trade barter. I can't imagine that we're always going to be able to stick to the schedule. I'm sure there'll be times when it's somebody's week and they have to go to town and then we need to trade. So slowly over time, I think naturally it will get a little mixed up and a little changed around. Um, but for now, if, unless anybody has an objection, I just figure we'll sort of stick to this turn order. So I'm getting thumbs up. Yeah, a lot it's of exciting up. just to have some consistency in an inconsistent world. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, <laughs> I offered my slot to Dimitri, and Dimitri has accepted. So we've already had one trade on the board. Whoa, okay. Dimitri and Trey have switched positions. You heard it here first. And uh, we will be back in just a few moments with uh, the rest of this episode with Tom, the Game Master. Thank you, Maddie. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Bye, guys. See you in two months, everybody. <laughs> All right, welcome back. It is Three days later, not four days, although I'm always ready to think that our game night's on Monday instead of Tuesday. It is Friday. It is 9 a.m. I am sitting across from the one and only Tom Donnelly. Does it get any better? This is this is what dreams are made of, my friend. <laughs> this is uh, the beginning of round two, episode one. Or the we've already uh, you've already heard from all of us in our board game group. But this is we're going to get into the meat and potatoes of our episode, sticking with our normal format that we're going to do every time um let's jump right into the news tom carne y patatas i don't know what that means it means meat and potatoes okay great let's do it <laughs> start us <laughs> off right. tom oh wait right. sorry 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 just a brief thing we have a contest going on right now if yep. you are listening to this episode you have three days the, pod- the podcast will go live <laughs> on monday the contest will end on Wednesday, May 22nd. The contest is called Game Group Appreciation. Send something to Matthew with two T's at GameBrainPod.com that tells us about the people you game with. We are already in the double digits for submissions, we've gotten which a, is great. We've gotten a lot of submissions. I expect most of them will come in the last few days. I'm amazed we got any this early at all. Uh, send us a submission, your submission. We are going to pick our three favorite voted on by the eight hosts of our podcast and the uh, three that we like the most or that get the most votes will get $100 to spend at your local friendly game store. I thought Dimitri doesn't get a vote. I thought we discussed this. <laughs> Unfortunately, it's too late. He, his, vo- his vote is equal to the rest of ours. <sighs> I know. That's how democracies fail. It's, it's, it's wild. Uh, so, yeah, a couple more days. Win some, uh, win some money to spend at your FLGS, guys. Some great stories already. We look forward to getting a lot more. It's, yeah. it's really fantastic. Uh, this is a very fun contest. I'm enjoying it a lot. Let's get to the news. Let's do it. Here we go. Hold on. That's not the news sound. There it is. Indeed. Thanks to Mark Nowy for that wonderful... <laughs> I think it's Nowy. nowy Mark Now, we love you so much. Mark I mean, Now, you have been you have been a fellow game designer with uh, Trey and I for LARPs for a decade now, and uh, that was awesome. And that is your fault for ending a, ending your last name with a vowel. I agree. I agree. I can't complain about that. All right. First thing in the news is uh, it's a bit of a bummer, and uh, I'm not talking about any particular game. I'm talking about the uh, the wonderful administration that we have going on in the United States. The Trump administration has included board games, it's not, it's not wonderful, dice, and toys in a proposed 
list of tariffs related to the United States' ongoing trade war with China. Thanks, bros. Yeah, 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 yeah. On Friday, which I think is today, um, the Trump administration has announced a new list of categories that could be subject to 25% tariff. Mm, it's going to be horrible. Uh, you, know, you know what this is going to destroy? Kickst- Kickstarter. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. Kickstarter's dead. So um, for those of you who don't know, it used to be that all of the components for these games, they were all made in Europe, in yeah. particular so in Germany. The, the, comp- the, the name of the country where literally 99% of board games are produced. Let me think. What Let is, me that, what think. is that country? It's it not starts Canada. With a, it starts with a C, though. Oh, it is Canada, then. No, it, it, it starts with a C, and it ends with an A, but I think it's... Czech, Czech Republic. So close. So oh, close. Uh, Congo. China. 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 That's oh. the... Oh, the country that we now have a uh, trade war with. That, that's the one. That's Amazing. the one. But you know what? If uh, if history is showing us anything, it's showing that the uh, the same billion dollar bailouts that are going to the farmers who are also mm-hmm. being absolutely crushed by this uh, trade war will be coming to us. So everybody, just everybody with the board game geek account, just look in your mailbox for those sweet sweet checks. Adding to the long list of minority groups that Trump hates, we are adding gamers to that list <laughs> <laughs> as well. Wonderful. Wonderful news. Look, I've I've read a bunch on this. It's not necessarily. It's not. We're not fully ready. Time to you know say the sky is falling and catastrophize this. Most likely, this is not going to be great. Uh, but as of when we will actually see these things take effect, we're not sure. A lot of people are saying like, what about Kickstarters that just ended? that have not actually begun their production are they going to have to come back to all of their people who pledged and go oh guys we unfortunately have to ask for 25 percent more money from all of you i, I, I th- nobody knows I, a lot, nobody knows the answer to that yet it could easily it could easily happen it could easily happen which would i think sink a lot of these projects i think a lot of people would just go no <laughs> sure sure yeah and then the project dies well, and in in the short term, um, a lot of these people are going to see if they can scramble and set up this production anywhere else. The problem is the reason that production is in China right now is that uh, the costs are so low and they have gotten their uh, their level of production to a very, very high level. And yep. when you combine those two factors, it's really hard to compete with. It is also not fully passed yet. This is still something that you could contact your representatives about and let them know your opinions on this. Let them know that you do not want to spend an extra 25% on your games or all the other things that are going to be involved in the China, the China tariffs. I'm sure games are the least important thing on your, uh, the, the things you, you budget for monthly. But if you add up the number of gamers in the United States and you compare it to the number of farmers in the United States, I think we're a larger lobby. So <laughs> you, you never know. There might, uh... We're definitely more, uh, we're definitely on the internet more. Definitely. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, not, not the greatest news. We'll see what happens. It's not time to start freaking out, but it is a good time potentially to buy some board games right now. And uh, if you were looking at some expensive games you wanted to buy, you might want to buy them now. Yeah. You know, just, just yeah, think of uh, buy them right now. think of the supermarket right before Hurricane Katrina. You know, just rush into the, into the board game store and just clear the shelves. <laughs> Don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> Spend uh, responsibly. Uh, on Kickstarter this week is Speaking not a, of resp- spending responsibly <laughs> on Kickstarter this week is not a board game, but a way to carry your board games. Now I love ways of carrying my board games. I often, <laughs> I go to Tom's game night. I often throw a lot of games in some sort of an uncomfortable bag that digs into my shoulders and leaves welts and wounds. Mm. Uh, I'm always looking for a good way. I go to a lot of conventions and, and when I go to conventions, I bring a lot of games. I in fact, uh, bought a, uh, a dolly. 
just to bring to board game conventions so that I could just push my games around. This is the sound of me judging you. <laughs> uh, on Kickstarter right now, something called the Game Canopy. Now, to be fair, I have not backed this, and I probably will not. But I, I've, I've heard of this company before. I followed them. They look like they make fantastic bags that are designed just to hold your board games, keep them safe, and most importantly, make them comfortable to carry on your back or shoulder. Now, Matt, is the reason that you're not backing this because uh, you feel it's egregious, or is it because you have already spent way too much money on a bag that is specifically designed just to carry board I games? I don't have a bag specifically designed just to carry board games. I do not own one. I do not. I beg your pardon? I have, I have that silly uh, drum bag. That costs twenty dollars that I got on Amazon. That, that is that is the, that you bought specifically because it is the perfect size for yeah, board games, right? But it's twenty dollars. I mean, it was not not an expensive purchase. I did buy a dolly, which, to be fair, not just for this. I bought a dolly for moving when I was moving, but it happens to be very lightweight and perfect for throwing a, uh, about forty board games on and just pushing around a convention floor. Look, maybe uh, maybe maybe I'm a little old school here, but uh, the way I did it when I was a kid starts with an I and ends with an A, right? It's an Ikea bag, folks. Exactly Ikea right. Ikea bag. They're free, and they hold... Well, they're sort of free. I mean, you're... Aren't you're, they free? I thought you could just go to Ikea and take one. You're technically supposed to leave them behind for other people. Oh, I didn't know that. Kind of. Sort of. Oh, but nobody does that. Everyone takes a few. I have taken an Ikea bag in front... Of, there, there was a guard staring right at me, and I said, can I take this? And he said... He looked left, he looked right, and he said, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> so he just had a stiff neck. I mean, <laughs> I, I, my guess is is that the official policy is that if you're buying furniture from us, yeah. go ahead, take the bag. The Swedes are wonderful people. Yeah. Uh, IKEA bags happen to be the exact size of most uh, square-shaped board games, and it, well, they will stack beautifully. And it's the best. It is really good. It's the best. Uh, and the, if you're in the Los Angeles area, hurt if you're, your shoulder if, if you're in the Los Angeles area, uh, Trey and I, uh, we're partial to the Zanku chicken bag. Yeah, Zanku chicken delivery bag. Yeah, if you've never been, oh my goodness, the best Lebanese chicken in the world. <laughs> Larry David, uh, a Curb Your Enthusiasm, yeah. did a whole episode about uh, Palestinian chicken, which is exactly about Zanku chicken. Yeah. It is wonderful. Absolutely. So that's the game camera. You can find it on Kickstarter for the next couple of weeks. Check it out if you are looking for something to carry your games. Next up, we got uh, Bezier Games is coming out with the Silver Line. Now this is Ted Alsbach. Ted Alsbach is a, a prolific game designer, a really great guy. Um, you would know him from his game uh, Suburbia. Mm -hmm. uh, you would know him a from... A million Age of Steam expansions. A million. He's a million. one of the, maybe the most prolific Age of Steam map designer. Well, in, unless Ted Alsbach is also a name for... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. John, John Borer <laughs> pulls the mask off. <laughs> there you go. Um, but his his most famous game uh, recently, the one that really broke out, was the Castles of Mad King Ludwig, which I have to say, as a family, uh, I play that with my kids all the time. I yeah. It's my daughter's favorite game. Absolutely. He also did all the One Night Werewolf games. Yes, yes, yeah. he, he did. I, I, yeah, I, I don't really... I don't really credit him with that so much because it really is it really is a public domain game. He's just right. put a, he, he put he put his little spin on it though. Sure, sure, sure. No, no, no. There there, there are little things in there, but yep. you know it's not, it's not something I talk about. So what can we say, Matt? What do you want to say about silver? Uh, this looks like uh, card like sort of trick taking card games. Yeah, yeah. Basically, I'm always down. Yeah, um, the public domain game that it is based on is a game called Golf. Mm -hmm. Which I played a, a long time ago. Um, fun, neat. You're, Can you play that with fifty with a fifty two card deck? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. And you're you're looking for the lowest score possible. So it's a trick taking game where you're 
Some of the cards have special rules to them. The other ones are just worth the points that they're worth. So you're trying to not win tricks in a lot of the cases. Mm-hmm. So it's a- well, it looks like there are different. There's there's silver and then there's silver bullet, and it seems that they you can play them separately or combine them. I think, which is always interesting. And once again, werewolf theme. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. Exactly. Silver bullet. There you Look, go. Ted. Ted's a Ted's a pretty darn solid designer. He's yeah. he's on a he's on a bit of a roll. Suburbia and. Uh, and Kessel's Mecca and Ludwig both out in the last, you know, eight years and both of them very, very solid games mm-hmm. on that light to midweight, uh, midweight scale and uh, probably worth taking a, taking a gander. Next up is a game on Kickstarter that I had never heard of until I saw that it was on Kickstarter, but then I looked at it and I don't know why I haven't heard of it. It's called De Volgari Eloquentia. It's from an Italian designer named Mario Papini. Tom, have you played this? I did, actually. Yeah, I played it uh, about eight years from ago. From 2010. Very heavy weight. And, yeah, you know, so eight, eight years ago. 3.63 on BGG, which is, that's definitely something that makes me go, okay, let me take a look. I played it once uh, at a game convention. I think either Elder or Jennifer uh, yep. brought it out. Yep. And uh, I love the theme. Uh, the idea is uh, it's a map of the boot of Italy. And you're starting in one particular place of it. You have five actions to take, and there's a whole list of actions on the board. Uh, the difference between normal worker, worker placement is that when you've placed your five action tokens... You collect them, and the next person takes those five action tokens and places them out. So mm. nobody is blocking anybody. Right. Which, how would we put this? It, it doesn't. Uh, it, it, well, it it creates a bit more multiplayer solitaire than normal. I will say the uh, the tagline on the Kickstarter is unique thematic game, tense and relaxing at the same time. <laughs> Which, by the way, I think just means you're neutral. <laughs> Look, the theme is fantastic. So the idea is is that it looks way, beautiful. way it's back. beautiful map. Oh, yeah. Way back when there were all these different languages in Italy and basically in all, all of Europe. There were just tons and tons of them. Latin was the only official language. It was the only language that bound everyone together, but nobody really spoke it. It was just, it was something that only the most literate people, uh, the clergy and things like that, that they were able to do. And so they were trying to create a written and spoken language for everybody, which mm-hmm. would which would come to be known as the Vulgate or the vulgar language, mm-hmm. literally. Right. Um, and this game is about you working your way up in getting some of these manuscripts, studying them, gaining knowledge, and being able to translate and and combine these languages in ways to create this language. And so it's, it's a very neat theme. It's a very interesting uh, game. I remember thinking that, wow, this is this is tough. This is kind of uh, brain burnery, um, but I didn't pull the trigger, so I'm, I'm not. And I don't really remember. I don't remember why. Are you interested in the deluxified edition now on Kickstarter? I am very. Uh, this for me will be a play it and decide. So you're not going to back this for 48 euro. That's correct. About 55, 60 bucks. Yeah, and it's not. It's not. For any reason other than I don't remember it well enough, yeah. and you know, a lot of games, even from eight years ago, I, I remember mm-hmm. pretty darn, pretty darn well, and so I'm, I'm not sure why I don't remember. Well, it, that it is going to succeed. It has passed its goal. Uh, it is a beautiful looking game, and any heavy Euro, sure, uh, especially from often Italian designers, I am excited to check out, and uh, I recommend you check this out as well if that sounds interesting to you. Absolutely, and then uh, last but not least. Gloomhaven Forgotten Circles has been released. The first big box expansion for Gloomhaven. Tom, you love Gloomhaven. You've played it a thousand times. Oh my, I cannot begin to tell you how many times I have... No, tell us exactly how many times you've played in Gloomhaven. I played um, a quarter of one round of a demo. (laughs) (laughs) 
we, so we're going to rectify this. I, I mean, maybe we'll just do it this week. Maybe, maybe we'll get, maybe we'll, we'll teach you Gloomhaven. I would love to. It's really great. You'll love it. I am not. I, okay. So um, you're not a scenario based guy. Well, okay. So I'm a big role playing gamer. Yeah. And for me, the board games that try to be both, they mm-hmm. try to be both a role playing game and a, and a game. They, they, it feels like it doesn't succeed. It's, it's not a, it doesn't succeed enough in category A and doesn't quite make it in category uh, B either. Yeah. Now I've heard everything I've heard about Gloomhaven is Isaac it just does both. absolutely yeah. knocked it out of the park, and I'm 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 dying to play it. I'm very very excited about it. I mean, look, if you do not like cooperative scenario based skirmish games, did you say cooperative? Yes. Oh no, cooperative scenario based skirmish games. I can't say you're going to like Gloomhaven, but. I also could say it could be the one that you like if you don't like that genre um, because it is, I think the turns are so interesting and the way you control your character is so, is so uh, resource management and hand management. And it's such a tight, tough, every decision is grueling. Like every time it's your turn, you have a horrible decision to make. And I love that, it. And that, that, that is what makes, I mean, and the turns are fast. So that, that part of it, like, and I think actually like, I'd say that the the mechanics are 75% of the game and the theme is 25% to me in terms of like what draws me to it. It's a, it sounds great. It sounds like something I don't think it's something that I won't like. I yeah. mean uh, listen, I don't lean toward some of those some of that genre of games, but anything at the top of its genre, yeah. I'm I'm going to I'm pretty much going to like. Number 1 game on the geek, right? Let's move on to Games on the Brain. This is where we talk about the games we are thinking about this week. Uh, the Seventh Continent expansion, which I, I believe is two years in the making on Kickstarter at this point, is going to be coming to my door this week. Now, I got the, the Seventh Continent uh, base game uh, previously, about a year ago. I have played a bunch of it. I enjoy it. I think I only enjoy it as a solo experience, although I, I, I am thinking that it might be a good Jesse game for his review, so I might pull it out with Jesse. That's a good idea. Let me tell you about Seventh Continent. Seventh Continent is choose your own adventure with cards. Yep. Um, but what's interesting about it is that you are creating a map as you go, not procedurally generated map, but a planned out map with a story. And these stories take 20, 30, 40 hours to complete. And there is a, an actually a really great save system in it. So it really has a video game feel of sit down, start building this map, uh, play for an hour or two, stop, pack the map up. Next time you play, it's very easy to rebuild it and continue where you left off. And it is, it is a very hard hand management game. It is a, it is a brutal Euro hand management game. You have, it, it, it's one of those games where you can play a card, but your cards are your health. So right. every time that you are doing anything, it's a you, are, you are spending your health in mm. order to do it. But you need to do things or else you're going to die as well. Uh, so Speaking of Eurofied uh, story games. No, it is. And it, it, is, it is definitely a Euro game. It's not, there's no dice rolling. There is no uh, randomness. It is, and a lot of it is, I guess my only real qualm with the game is that a lot of it is puzzle solving and uh, logic puzzle solving. And often it just does that thing in a lot of games where it's, not it's not the one you'd think like you're looking for 
you're looking for the temple of the golden idol. And in the distance, it says, on the left path, you see a golden building. And on the right, you see <laughs> a fiery tomb. Most likely, it's, you want to probably go to the fiery tomb because they're trying to trick you. Or, sure, you know, sure, it's, sure. It's, it's a, a I mean, if, if balancing um, uh, asymmetrical player powers is the hardest thing in gaming, yeah. I think designing uh, puzzles that are challenging enough for everybody without being just insane. Yeah. That's got to be the second hardest thing. It's yeah. such a hard thing to to get that sweet spot and yeah. to give somebody an experience where they make a choice and they figure something out and it feels satisfying to them. Yeah. It's really hard. This is actually, I'd actually really like to play Seven Continent with you. I'd like to, I think it's I think it'd be a fun thing that we could all like a puzzle we all try to play together. And, and there, there's the 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 the, uh, the hand management aspect of it is actually pretty interesting and cool. What is the what is the theme again? The theme is you have returned from. A uh, exploration of a brand new continent, the seventh continent that was that you have discovered. And when you came home, you started having terrifying dreams and uh, were racked with anxiety and terror. And you believe you have been cursed by something on that island. And now you have returned to the island to cure yourself of the curse before you go mad. I fear, my dearest Gertrude, that yes. I have brought something from the island back with me. That's exactly what it is. Now unless, I must return. Unless I've I, angered the gods of this island, and I must, you know, I took this thing with me, and you think. But so, so the, the, the base game came with, I think, four different stories. Each story is like 40 hours long, and they all start the same. You come home, you're sick, now you got to go back to the island and fix what you took. But you took something, you angered somebody, now you have to, like, figure out how to stop it. So this new expansion, I think, comes with, like, 12 more. I mean, it's going to be... I will never. This is a Gloomhaven level. I will never see the end of this game, kind of thing. Excellent. Yeah, I'm sounds, excited to try. Look, you know, you know me. I, I, I LARP the driest theme game yeah. game you have. I would love uh-huh. to to LARP the heck out of this stuff. And there are some questionable choices for uh, actual people that they have chosen as playable characters. For example, um, H.P. Lovecraft is a character you can play, uh, which is really mildly questionable because he's in reality sort of a famous racist and anti-semite unbelievable racist and anti-semite so uh people have uh, have brought up that that but i think i i honestly think the designers did not know that and they're just like he's horror crazy you could also play as oh so they don't they don't they don't delve into that so oh because that's gonna feel like they're 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 sugarcoating it oh no yeah i think they just are playing the He's the ma- he's the madness man of of gloom and madness and not you know oh, okay. I think it's sort of the fictionalized version of H.P. Lovecraft and not the actual H.P. Lovecraft. You can also play as Doctor Frankenstein. You mean like Walt Disney? Okay, yeah, good. So, yeah. <laughs> Doctor Frankenstein is there, and of Dr. course, oh. one of his uh, things that he can do is build a monster that will help him take care of some actions. Nice. I think you can play as Mary Shelley as well. Like there, there's, but then there's also just fictional characters. There's a whole bunch of weird characters. So this is Gothic age of exploration. No. Yeah. No, this is definitely like league of extraordinary gentlemen times and that Great. kind of a theme. Yeah, absolutely. Love it. Anything on your brain game wise this week, Tom? Um, what is on my game? Brain? You know what? It, it really is the game that we're going to be reviewing in a, in a few minutes. I haven't minutes. even I've mentioned been... what we're going to be reviewing. What game are we going to be reviewing this? We week? are going to be re- uh, reviewing Vittle Lacerna, uh, <laughs> Vital Lacerda. Vitamita Vegemite. Vital Lacerda's escape plan. Yes. This is a big week. It this is. a big review. This is, this is huge. This is the this review is of the summer, maybe. We have, uh, we have crawled over broken glass to get a copy yeah. of this game. We'll tell you about that. We will be. Oh, well, let's tell, let's tell the tale now. So we, we, we missed the, the escape plan Kickstarter. Now, I have a very good excuse for it. Uh, I had a baby when that happened. 
and sure. I just missed it. By the time I woke up from, if you've had a baby, you know what those first six weeks, two months are like. Uh, they are a time hole that disappears that you never get back. Those uh, were the two, <laughs> for me, those were the two weeks that my wife said, I've heard about this woman named Maria Kondo. And I think we should, <laughs> I think we should delve into that. Oh no. So you, you were cleaning your house. Oh yeah. No, I mean, uh, energetically and psychically, I think I was in as, as much uh, a, yeah. a pain and horror and occasional joy as you were. Right. So, uh, just missed it, which is crazy for me because the Vitola Lacerda is an Insta back, no matter what the game is, gonna have to get it. Uh, yeah. Is there a game of his that we don't own? I think there's one. I think the, that. No, I now own all of them. Oh, do you? Yeah. Well, we, we now own. I mean, sure, sure, sure. There's not one that I don't own. Good. Uh, he has a, a, a new one, I think, that he did a Kickstarter with for his daughter that is a very light game. Yeah, that him and his daughter designed it, and it's uh, very light. I mean, it's under two point on BGG, so that I don't necessarily think of that as a, a VTOL game that I need to own, unless I find out it's incredible. But all of his big box games, I definitely own. Um, so yeah, we will get into that. But Tom, tell us how we so we we missed the Kickstarter, just straight up missed it. We did, we did, and we were talking earlier this week that, about that, that that sucked that we missed it. Yeah, because people, people everybody's are getting, getting it, now, it this week. And, yeah, right? and, uh, it just got to everybody. A friend of ours, uh, Eric Elder, great guy, like amazing. One of these guys that we look forward to seeing him every convention. Definitely one of the beacons of the beacons of the SoCal uh, gaming scene. Big time, big time. Anyway, he posts on Facebook uh, pictures of the game and is talking about how much fun he had playing it. Yeah, and I, I saw it too. And imme- immediately, Matt and I are just FOMO, like, FOMO, oh, FOMO, 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 FOMO. Is there a way we can murder him and steal the <laughs> and steal the game? So, and so I tell Matt and I say I'm going to try and get this, you know, get this game. But of course, it's not Elder's game. He's got to borrow it from somebody right. else. And before you know it. Matt's just like, what if we just bought it from somebody? Well, then I said, I was like, I wonder what these things are going for in Kickstarter. Because these, so EGG, uh, who puts out all of Vital Asserta's games, they have a special new thing now wherein nothing will go to retail for 90 days after Kickstarter. So when the last person receives their Kickstarter copy, the 90 day clock starts. 90 days later, it will go to retail. So this is... Which is the old Blockbuster method, right? Yeah. I mean, they, I they, would sell, they would sell the videotapes for 180 bucks because yeah. no one would buy them so that they can be in the rental cycle for right. a few months before they can sell. And then, yeah, so this... And, and this, is ju- this is only there to incentivize people to back on Kickstarter and not wait for retail. That's all it does. It yeah. just goes, do you want them 90 days earlier? And most people go, yeah, I guess I do. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. Um, Movie theaters. Yeah, and they're all, they'll also be more expensive at retail as well. Uh, sure. So that 90-day clock hasn't even started yet because they're just starting to get to people. So I just looked. I was like, maybe some people are selling their copies. And I found one on eBay for the price for, for straight up. And so, and, but it was one of those like make me an offer things on eBay where they were bidding. And it's the, 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 bidding, the starting price was 120 bucks, which is what that, that Kickstarter cost. So I just said, and he was in Los Angeles. I only ever searched eBay nearby. For a game like that, it's so heavy. Oh, yeah. Shipping on that would have been $40. Exactly. So that's what killed him. So I was just trying to find somebody local. Um, I even asked on my local uh, SoCal board gaming group. I said, does anybody have one locally? Somebody actually did get back to me, but it was after we had already got this. Uh, but I found one on eBay that was in Los Angeles. So I just messaged the person and said, what if I gave you $10 more than you're asking for? And I came and picked it up today. And the person was like, done. And that was it. And then he said... Meet me on this street corner. Yeah, meet me on the street corner. At this particular time. And I said, Tom, that's sort of on your way to my uh, game night tonight. What if you swooped up and picked it up? 
And I, of course, said, sure, Matt, yeah. that's not a problem. Well, Tom and I decided we would split the game because it is yes. an expensive game. It is. And there's really no reason for us to both own copies. And we're both fine. Just you take it, I'll take it, yeah, whatever. pass it back and forth. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. Pass. Um, so I'm standing on the street corner at the uh, designated, five minutes early uh, for the designated time. Yeah. Very responsible. If you have ever stood on a street corner waiting for a person that you do not know what they look like. Yeah. Um, it becomes a real rear window yeah. experience. <laughs> Every single person out there is like, it could it be that guy? Oh my God. What if it's the rabbi? I think it's the rabbi. Oh my God. He's got a, he's got a shoulder pack. He's coming, <laughs> he's coming right toward me. Yeah. He loves me. Does, does, he know, does he know what's going on? No, damn it. It's not him. I asked two people that were standing, that standed through an entire light cycle waiting uh, for the light to change a second time right. before they, before they crossed. If, are you supposed to be meeting me? And oh, there geez. is no creepier question. <laughs> if you are not expecting to meet somebody or to have a conversation with a total stranger who's yeah. been standing on the same street corner for yeah. five, 10, 15 minutes, there is nothing creepier than that. That's amazing. There was a, there was a, a security guard in a building nearby who was starting to, he was on a smoke break and he yeah. was just staring at me. Yeah. Like, oh geez, do I have to fin- deal with this guy? Finished his smoke break, went into the building, came back out with a second security guard a few uh, minutes no. later, just staring this at guy me. Out over yeah. Here. yeah. So yeah, about yeah. 20 minutes you had waited there and when you texted me and was like, I don't know what's going on. And then I definitely had those like that hot flash of like, oh, I've been scammed. And you've already paid. Well, yeah, on eBay, you're protected because you could always yeah. say it didn't work out and now I want my money back and eBay will refund you very quickly. But the most, the world's most specific scam. Yeah. All right, yeah. we're going to take a, a Kickstarter <laughs> Kickstarter board game that there are maybe a hundred people that Ult- want. Ultra heavy Euro games. Yeah. We're going to sell them to people and not give them to yeah. them. It's a very strange heist. But eventually, it turns out the guy just left his cell phone on silent, lost track of time, and yeah. eventually ran down. And at the moment I saw him, um, in comparison to the hundred other people that I was profiling, trying to figure out if they could possibly be it, the second I saw this guy, there was zero question. Board gamer. Complete and utter board gamer. Yeah. And uh, if, you're, if you're listening, I did tell We're him. a specific bunch. I did tell him that we would be, uh, we'd be doing a, a review about yeah, yeah, his, yeah. his game. And Great. so... Dude, if you uh, if you tune in, uh, thank you so much. Thank you for coming down, and uh, <laughs> thank you for not scamming us. Since it's a game about crime, it yeah. really did. It put me in. It put me yeah. into that place. I really felt like you felt like you were doing something illicit. I was doing a deal. Yeah, I was doing a deal on a street corner with a guy I don't know. Could have gone south, big time. Uh, so let's talk about Escape Plan. Escape Plan. This is our review of the week. This is the newest Vital Deserted game. Uh, Tom, do you want to read the the little blurb about the game that tell us about uh, this is written by Vital telling you about the game? You got it. After a successful heist, you and your fellow thieves are laying low and enjoying the good life. Most of the cash has been hidden away and the rest has been invested in businesses throughout the city. Everything is going according to plan until the police get a breakthrough in their investigation. Accusations are made, fingers are pointed, and after a heated argument, you decide to go your separate ways. Chaos ensues as the SWAT team is called in and starts to close off the city's exits. Your only choice now is to escape before the city is completely locked down. But you need a plan. A good route that allows you to leave the city while recovering as much of the money as possible. You will need to call in some favors, hire some local gangs to create diversions. Bribing the police would be a good idea too, but it isn't cheap. Disguises may help, but they won't fool everyone. Setting the police on a trail to your former colleagues will give you a better chance of escape, but the other thieves are thinking the same thing. Will you escape the city with the most money? 
or the police lock down the city before you can escape. Now, that is an awesome theme. Now, let's talk about uh, VTOL's other games briefly and go over their themes, because this, this one stands out for me. Now, VTOL is known mostly for what I would call simulation games. I mean, these games, uh, I think, attempt to, to give you a, a, a simulated experience of a specific job, usually. The gallerist is what it's like to be a gallery owner, how to purchase uh, art, how to... Uh, Raise the value of the artists that you've invested in. Sure. How to sell your art on the international market. Vinos is uh, is winemaking. Italian winemaking. Uh, Portugal, I think. Uh, is it? Oh, okay. Might be. Pretty sure. Um, yeah. And, and it deals with everything from uh, uh, putting your wine into competitions, selling your wine to contracts to different, uh, different merchants, mm-hmm. or if the wine isn't scoring so great, selling it to local shops and things like that. Kanban is the uh, the Japanese ethos of management uh, and applied to a car manufacturing company. Yeah, the, uh, the word Kanban mean, means billboard, I believe, and it's it's sort of a, a series of you do this step, then this step, then this step for maximum efficiency, I believe is how it, how it is described. CO2, you are attempting to reduce the carbon footprint of the world and uh, save us from uh, shore death. Semi-cooperative to cooperative, depending upon uh, the yeah. way you play. And, and uh, it, so, so when Matt says simulations, um, CO2 is the perfect example because um, 75% of the time, the you're going you're gonna to lose, <laughs> lose CO2. Right. And, and that decision is purely just made on uh, what most people believe to be our actual chances. <laughs> yeah. And, and Vidal, when he was asked about that, said, yeah, yeah, that's, that's pretty much how I wanted it to, how I wanted it to be. Yeah. Right? Wake totally. up. So this is the first game of his that I would call highly thematic in a fictional sense. I mean, this is, while it is definitely uh, maybe a simulation of what it's like to have done something very specific where you went on a heist, (laughs) hid your money throughout the town, and now the police are closing in and you have three days to get your money and get out of there. This is very clearly something inspired by movies. Oh, yeah. This is his ode to Reservoir Dogs, to Heat, to Ocean's Eleven. Uh, to do a lot of heist movies where the criminals turn on each other at a certain point and it's every man for himself or every woman for herself. He knew the risks. He didn't have to be there. <laughs> it rains, you get wet. That's right. So uh, I'm going to be quoting Heat throughout this review. Yeah. Uh, so it's one of, my, one of my absolute favorite movies. never seen Heat, Michael Mann, Masterpiece, go check it out. Um, so yeah, th- th- but this is an interesting thing for Vital. This is new to be sort of uh, in a, a, a sort of a sillier realm, a lighter fare. Yeah, yeah, it, it's a, it's a. I mean, Lisboa is is about the the, the great earthquake that destroyed Lisbon and the reconstruction, the reconstruction of the town. That is very different from we're a bunch of criminals and we're going to stab each other in the back and get out of town with the money. Yeah, yeah, this one feels like he's he's suddenly entered a pulp realm, whereas totally. whereas everything else has been uh, documentaries, right? It's been he's gone from, he's gone from Ken Burns to Quentin Tarantino. So let's give you the quick stats here. This game plays one to five. It does play solo. We'll talk about that. It goes it all play, the way up to five. It plays five players, which is a big attraction to our. Plays group. five is great. Almost every VTOL game plays four. I believe this might be the first VTOL game that plays five. I actually am pretty sure there is not I, another game that. Plays I agree. Five. I think that's true. Uh, the game plays. In 90 minutes to two hours. Now, it's a long teach, but once everybody knows how to play, 90 minutes to two hours. We, we finished it in two hours last night. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think I think when you get going, it's it's 
It could happen a lot faster. It depends on your group, um, yeah. but there's a lot to analyze. I think once you have this game down, you could re- you could do a five player game in ninety minutes. I don't think that would be a problem if, if everybody yeah. knew what they're doing. If your people and if your people are not prone to analysis paralysis, I don't think there's another. V- I don't think there's another VTEL game under three hours. I, I can't think of a VTEL game that isn't at least two and a half to three hours. If CO two goes really bad, you can be over potentially quick. sure. But I mean, Galaris definitely three hours. No, no, no. definitely Venus is as longest. Maybe Venus could take four hours. Yeah. Kanban, Kanban, Kanban is not is short. Yeah, I mean, so yep. he plays. These are long, heavy games, and this is the lightest of Vital's big, big box games. The easiest teach by a by a considerable margin. Yeah, yeah. I, and yet it's still heavy. And it's yet, still a heavy game. I, I consider this medium heavy. I was, I would say. Yeah, I think at the but, end of the day, but it was still a forty-five minute to an hour long teach for a group of t- people who had never even heard of the game before, because it still has the classic uh, Vital elements, which is. He does interlocking systems in a in a mm-hmm. very interesting way. Right. He always jokes his games are very simple, and he he would joke that the gallerist is is literally move your piece, take the action, and that is technically correct. Lisboa as well. He would joke and say, play a card, draw a card. That's true. That's technically all you do on your turn. But play a card. It does this. That triggers this. This triggers that. On and on and on, cycle, cycle, cycle. And so you're, you know, you technically, yes, you're playing a card, drawing a card, or you're moving a piece, taking the action. But what happens when you do those things can often chain in a very complicated way. And let's, let's talk about just some of the elements in this game. Yep. First of all, you have notoriety. Notoriety is a track that can go up. You can go up that track. You can come down that track. I'd say the most interesting part of the game. I agree. Yeah, I agree. I think it is. Um, going up notoriety is not all good. Some of it's good. Some of it's bad. Right. You will be able to unlock assets. You will be able to get advantages uh, by going up that track. But when you cross certain thresholds, you will also have people, uh, the other players, everyone below you in notoriety gets to move a cop in your direction. It's sort of like the Mass Effect good or evil uh, track. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah, you're going evil, but you're going to get some cool perks, but there's also going to be some downsides. Same as going good. Yeah, the opposite. The opposition is increasing against yeah, you, Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. So the, the, this sort of notoriety track does the same thing. It's good to go up it, but it's also bad to go up it. Absolutely. Um, the second thing that you're, you're tracking all the time is those cops, right? The, those cops are placed on the board in a certain place. They're going to be moved throughout the game for, for several reasons. There are cards that will allow you to move them. There are other things. And Cops are a real danger to you. You have to you have to have a means to mitigate traveling through an area with cops, or you are getting shot. Well, let's you, talk just quickly about what the actual what we're looking at on the table. Sure, sure, sure. So there is a large map, and it starts out very small with two tiles. We're talking oversized hexagons that you're going to be building a map from, and it starts with two tiles. Everybody's on the, at the hospital. I guess for some reason we all met up at the hospital to start there, or. I don't know. We all got injured and woke up. I don't know why we're at the hospital. They don't really explain that. But we're all at the hospital at the beginning. I, I think it's a mob hospital. That's my guess. That's, 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 that's my guess. Um, but in each turn of the game, uh, four tiles, four new tiles are going to be laid out. Yep. Tiles have to be laid such that they touch two other tiles. So you're not going to be able to create crazy, funky uh, um, things. You're going to be building the city out fairly organically. Right. Uh, there are different types of territory on the tiles. And the rule is that at least one ter- one territory must match a territory on one of the other tiles. So, right. you, so to some degree, you're creating overlapping large territories out of that. Right. Now, the way the map comes out can drastically change the game, as we saw last night, which I think is also, other than notoriety, the most interesting part of this game is that I think it's going to play wildly differently every time. 
uh, yeah, because there are buildings that you want to go to because those are the businesses that you're storing your money in, right? right. That you've hidden. I've hidden a hundred thousand dollars in the disco. I've hidden fifty thousand dollars in the restaurant, right? Or, or thematically, also, I have invested in this restaurant. I'm going there because I have to. I'm going to Mexico permanently, and I'm now cashing out of this business. I want, I, you know, I bought in for a hundred grand. I want my hundred grand back of my investment money in this business because I, you know, I'm, I'm out. Oh, I thought you were going to go the other way with that, which is there are also buildings where you go, and instead of getting money for the end game score, right. you're getting income sure. that is is just cash on hand that you're yeah. going to be able to spend. Yeah, so that would be the cash you've sort of hid there. Sure, sure, the sure, other sure, is sure. sort of the investments that you you'll be paid out on later. Totally get it. okay. So. You're you're just saying we were, I'm, we were I'm the nice. same, same thing yeah, on opposite exactly. sides, right? Exactly. Right. Um, there are also safe houses, which have a similar thing. You can collect money from them or you can collect the big cash that is your sort of end, end, game, yeah. end, end game money as well. But each of them do different things. In the last game that we played, uh, I don't think, yeah, no um, safe houses came out in the first round and only one came yeah. out in the second round. And there are only three days, there are only three large rounds in the game. Right. By the by the, th- the three days in the game, by the third day, every possible tile on the board will be out. The whole map will be there. The order it came out in, though, can ch- drastically change the way the game is played. As, as Tom said, we didn't see these safe houses until the last day. And check this out. In each day, you are only guaranteed three actions. Right. So three actions day one, three actions day two. At right. the beginning of day three, you can escape. Right. And as a matter of fact, the longer you wait, it has, it's, it's odd to say a Vito Lacerda game has a press your luck aspect. It absolutely does this one. Yeah. But it totally does. You can mitigate it completely, but, but you have to do some things to do that. Yeah. So this is one of the, the Vito Lacerda, I'd also say the mark of a Vito Lacerda game is at the beginning, I can blow your mind by saying how few actions you're going to get in this whole game. So like most of them, you, most of them you can see exactly like this one right now you're going to have nine actions, right? You can have more. It's going to cost a lot, though, to get those. Oh, yeah. You're going to have to do some work to get some extra actions. You may get 11. 12 would be hard. 13, super hard. 14, impossible. I mean, the, the, technically, the max you could get is 15. There's a way to get five every day. You could never get that many. I don't think you could physically get fifteen. No, no. I think I think uh, I think eleven is very doable. I think yeah. twelve is significantly possible. Yeah. So, but that's it. That's all. you're going to do at most twelve things in a game. Now, what the cool thing about Vital Lacerda games is, if you're planning right, the things that that can constitute one action can be a lot of stuff. If you've comboed things correctly, if you prepared right. You know, he is famous for, I place a piece, which gives me a thing, which allows me to put a thing on a here, which gets me another thing. And so, you know, he often has these, these super turns. He's the, he, which is, a, everybody loves that feeling. Yes. No matter what you're doing, things are happening. You're getting stuff, you're trading things. So you get these feelings of a super turn, which I think is sort of the hallmark of a Vital Assertive game is that, that positive feeling you get when you have a big turn. Right. And it creates that interconnectivity of mechanisms, which is really, really interesting. Two thirds of the places you go on the map, you're going to be able to get a contact card, which is you're going to get the stunt driver that is going to create a distraction and lead the police away from your location. You're going to get the the guy with the sewer map, so you're going to be able to tunnel under, yeah. the, under the sewers and avoid the, the police that way. Uh, you're going to get uh, access to a gang and be able to use their abilities, and they can do anything from steal a helicopter for you yeah. and fly you somewhere else <laughs> to distract the police, or they're just going to lower your they're just going to lower your um, notoriety. notoriety by 
you know, working for you and basically saying, yeah, yeah, yeah we're, we're kind of doing it all for him. He's kind of laying low. Yeah. I mean, thematically, it's so fun to, 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 to talk out like the, to LARP it to a certain extent and have, you know, because you're, you're going to your safe house really quick where you meet your, you, you talk to the snitch who helps you get the, the police off you. Then you hire the hell's angels to kill a couple cops for you as you fly across this place. But then one of them's going to, you know, lower your notoriety by telling them around here that you're, you know, not do, not as bad as everyone thought. And, you know, there's just so many cool little stories. You can I got shot really bad by the cops. I got to go to the <laughs> hospital. But guess what? I go to the hospital. The, the, the doctor, he snitched on me, right? He had a, he had a freaking, yeah. re, freaking report. When What's you go to the hospital, uh, they have to tell the authorities about your gun wound. And uh, you will take notoriety for visiting the hospital, though they will heal all your wounds. My first play, I did the uh, the New York, New Jersey Goomba. Right. So so Tom LARPed both of our games. We, so we, we played this twice. I played it once solo. Um, we played it with five and four and solo. So uh, Tom LARPed both of our games. Uh, the first time, he did uh, a stereotypical Italian. Uh, Tom, are you Italian at all? Um, no, but I am from New Jersey. And oh, okay. So you the, felt you feel like you're culturally allowed to, uh, to to sort of to do that sort of mob boss. Two of my best friends growing up were Tony Carlissimo oh, and Tommy Viola. Okay. Okay. Tommy Viola, I believe, did time. I'm not positive, but I think <laughs> I, I think he actually did some. So yeah, my town was uh, my my town was about forty to fifty percent Italian right. and twenty five percent mob. So <laughs> gotcha. this is this is this You're is familiar a, with the world. I fe- I feel I stand on solid ground. Here. And then with our other game, you went Guy Ritchie gangster. Oh, that was a fun one. Wasn't it? <laughs> Are, are you a total moppet? Are you a total moppet? What are you doing? Imagine that for 90 minutes. <laughs> I don't was, have to imagine it. I loved it. Which was more fun for you? I liked the second one more. I, I think I laughed more at that one. Well, you, but, were, but you really you kept were, it up the entire time. But you game. were doing it too. Yes, I couldn't help it. It's infectious. It really is. It's absolutely it, infectious. Yes, I, I, I do recommend the, the Guy Ritchie model. I think it's really great. So uh, a three-day game, nine actions, maybe 11 or 12 if you're playing, right? And then at the end of the game... In your as your last action, you must escape the town as per, as per the name of the game. You have to have escaped. Uh, First person to escape pays nothing yep. to get out. Second person pays five. Third and fourth or fifth somehow changes per player point is going to play maybe ten dollars to get out. If you don't have that money, ten thousand. But yes, ten thousand. Yes. If you do not have the money, you don't get out. You lose and all of the points that you have gathered over yeah. the course of the game. They're nothing. There's player elimination in this game. I mean, you were just out. You are. I mean, the game will be over as well. So you're not. You don't have to go watch TV. But you're out. You're just. You didn't win. You have zero chance of winning. You are not. You are no longer in the running. So if you, this is. I, I do love that in games. I do love that. Uh, Gugong has that as well. I don't think you played Gugong yet. No, Gu- no. Gugong has a thing where there's a, a track in the game, and if you don't get to the end of the track, you are not eligible to win. Um, Reiner Knizia, um did a does a, this little filler game called High Society. One yeah, of my yeah. absolute Great favorites. Amazing. The person with the least money left over at the end of the game automatically loses, and invariably that right. is the person that has the most points that have that has yeah. done so great. So it's exactly. a, absolutely wonderful. Matt, quick question. Yeah. Loaded question. Go ahead. Was there anybody in either of our two games that uh, wasn't able to escape the city? Uh, yeah, I believe uh, Jesse did not escape in our first game. Now, he are will, you sure? I thought Jesse won that game. Jesse will tell you that I <laughs> didn't explain a rule to him correctly. And you know what? It's possible. It was a learning game. Also, I didn't teach the game. Uh, but he did ask me a question about his player power. So there are some asymmetrical player powers in the game. It does not come in the base box. That is... Are you throwing me under the bus? I no, think no, no. I think no, you're no, saying no. I, I taught the game. No, 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 no. Because he didn't ask you about the player power. He probably oh, asked okay, me. Okay. 
Uh, there are asymmetrical player powers, which do not come in the base game. They are part of an, a, an expansion pack, which I assume will also be available uh, when things hit retail that you can get. It's not, it's not a Kickstarter exclusive. But those are variable playing powers. And Jesse asked me a question about his, and I actually didn't understand what his did because I hadn't read it because I never played the game before. I'm a little focused on my board. Uh, and I might have answered his question incorrectly because I might have thought he was asking me something else. But either sure. way. Sure. And by the way, there's a ton of things to learn and to yeah. figure out in your first play. It's easy to miss things. Um, we should actually talk about the expansion bits just a, just mm-hmm. a brief moment. Um, it's always tough after only two plays to start making pronouncements about a, a game, but I do feel like there are, there are two things in the expansions. One is uh, you get a character that has a special ability. Right. There are uh, generic ones and then ones that are specific to the player colors in the game. Correct. Uh, then the second thing that you uh, get are these mission cards. Right. Personal with, secret objectives. Correct. Where you, where you have something where you have to do this this thing or this thing. If either of these conditions are met, you get to flip this card over, and then you have three special powers that for the rest of the game you can choose and use. I felt that uh, those cards did not have the balance that I was looking for in a game that is very, very tactical. Well, I, I had one that was just definitely better than everybody else's, <laughs> my mission. I mean, my mission was to visit... Two businesses where I collect income. Now, I, there was a certain level of RNG happening there because those two businesses came out in round one. Sure. And one of them I chose because in turn order, you choose the tile that comes out and you choose the building. But the other one... I chose. Was chose. But that's just luck. Sure. So let's talk about you. Every, at the beginning of the game, one of the most interesting parts of the game is you get a card that has the name of the game on it, which is escape plan. That is your escape plan. That is a that tells you where you've stashed all your money, and everybody has a different one, and these are secret. So the exact same nine locations, the six businesses, and the three safe houses, everybody has a number on that. Then it is either a dollar sign, in which case you are going to go there and collect whatever your current income is, right. and have in-game money to spend, which you are going to need because everybody is everybody requires almost everything you do in the game requires money, yeah. uh, especially escaping. Correct. Or you have a dollar amount there, and that is end game scoring. That is anywhere from fifty to a hundred thousand dollars that you have, you know, socked away into these various businesses or safe houses. Right. That you're going to be pulling out for for the end of the game. And you definitely want to get to your good ones. I mean, it, I don't think you have a chance of winning if you don't get to the hundred dollar place or the ninety dollar place or the eighty dollar place. You know, you really want to get to the good ones. I mean, ideally you do. Yeah, I, I will say that that what we found in the first couple games is that uh, there are a couple other things that that can score really highly. Uh, there are there are uh, markets. Yeah. That you can go to. When you go to a market, you can buy equipment, and some of that equipment can be things that will throw the police off your scent. Yeah, you actually buy police outfits to look like a cop and escape. You buy riot gear, or you buy a police helmet, or you know, it's a got, bulletproof vest. Yeah, you sort of, you you look like a cop, so you can get out of places, which I think is funny. Which is really great. Uh, you also get a gas can, which is going to let you to move one space farther on yeah. each turn. Get your car far. I guess you're in a car for a lot of this. And if you have a key, and in the Kickstarter expansion, uh, there are nice metal keys yeah, that you get. beautiful metal keys. Uh, you can potentially go to this place, and you can open a safe in the back. I've heard all the keys actually open Vital Lacerda's home. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. And he lives in Portugal, right? Yeah. So I'm, I'm going to be there this yeah, summer. There you know. go. Bring, bring a couple of keys. Totally. That's not true. Uh yeah, you can open these safes, and the safes are there'll, there'll be a stack of five um, tiles, tiles yeah. 
And based on how many uh, contacts you have, how many of those contact cards you have on your tableau, that's how many draws you get at it. Right, which is thematically cool because imagine like there is a, a big wall of safes and you have a key and, uh, you know, it'll open up a few of them, but you can only use it once. So you don't know. And, and so you, the more contacts you have, the more people are going to tell you like, no, it's actually a, it's, it's locker 312 that has the good money in it, you know? Exactly. Exactly. Um, and there are three different colors of safes and the, the green safes are, they, they don't have a really great distrib- right. distribution. There are some bad, there are some that are sort of okay. And then some that make a little bit of money all the way up to the black safes which are in the middle and then the brown safes the brown safes are awesome i mean but you have to have a lot of contacts in order to be able to see any of them it is contacts plus notoriety is exactly right and uh yeah yeah you you have to you have to really be a notorious gangster to be able even to get into those but if you do they pay more than your highest build the the highest building that you can go to Yeah, 110 bucks now those are really fun the whole process of it because you got to go to a safe house you got to get a key then you got to go to the market you got to open up a thing, but you have to have enough notoriety and enough contacts in order to be allowed to look into a locker. There's it's, there's many steps to it, and it's very fun and satisfying to actually like open a locker and and get that big amount and put it on your player board and uh, and and know that you've sort of you've you've done as good as you can in that little game. So if you if you like what you're hearing, it is it is a fun thematic game. I, I you know for me the theme matters a lot, and yeah. if it's if it's a fun interesting theme that I feel like I'm playing and I'm in the middle of, I, I highly recommend playing this game. I'm not going to say that... Uh, there are some games I play it, and the moment I play it the first time, I'm like, oh my God, this I, is a classic, I yeah. love this game. Yeah. I, don't, I don't feel that yet about this. What I will say is that I fell an instant like, for yeah. sure. And I'm kind of giddy about it. It's, it's because it is fun. This is a Vital Lacerda game I would play with a lot more people. Yeah, a much wider group of gamers than I would with any of his other games. Now, these other sort of games I love maybe as a designer more than anybody else in terms of just body of work. Yeah. But I am not playing a Vital sort of game with anybody who is not a board gamer. I'm, oh, I'm yeah. not even going to bother. I, oh, I, I think I, I tried to teach Vinos once. We had Rachel and I had a couple over and we played Vinos. We did a good job. We got through it. People enjoyed it. But it was, I mean, if, if, if the last game he played was Southern of Catan and someone puts Vinos down, you just better hope that they are really invested in making this night fun. It's kind of like it's heavy. It's, it's kind of like somebody's. It's kind of like trying to introduce somebody's second Euro game ever and trying to get them to play Indonesia. Yeah, or like you just learned English and you give someone Moby Dick. Like it's <laughs> it's, it's a lot. It's a lot to take on. Mel- Melville doesn't use huge words. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but but this the theme is so uh, great and 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 it's intuitive what you want to do. Yeah. You know, and even if, you know, all that you need to really make sure is the person understands that they have to escape, you know, and, and, and they may not win. They may not beat you. Uh, they may not have a high score, but they're going to have fun doing all their stuff and escaping at the end. Yes. Um, so we played this with Jake, the casual gamer. Yeah. And he, I think Jake felt there was a little bit of downtime between turns. We, that was a five player game. It I, was five player. Did, he did mention a few times that it felt like it was never his turn and a long time between sure. turns. And it was, it, listen, it's the first time we ever played it. Five players. There's going to be a, teach. a lot of 
a lot of time sitting there. It's also a um, a lot of Vito's games have a lot of strat- uh, strategic thinking. And yeah. this one is... You, the word plan is not a joke in this game. You have to plan out how you're going to get all your money and escape. But I do think this game is more tactical than it is strategic. Correct. So uh, for people out there that don't know what I'm talking about, just really, really simply, uh, strategy is the plan you go into when you're going into the war. Right. And it's the large idea of I'm going to do this and this and this. Tactical is once you're actually once you actually met the enemy and you're in close quarter yeah. combat okay that plan that strategic plan isn't going to work now i'm going to have to do this or this yeah. because of the situation it's right a quote mike tyson everyone has a plan until they get punched in the face that's right yeah and that's when tactics come into play yeah this this game is you do need to do both actually though when you when you play it the first time you may think that it's mostly a tactical game mostly mm-hmm. it is look at your situation when it's your turn and make the best call given okay now the police are here and here and here and now there's two people in this building versus that building or this building just just got locked because if uh, in the four or five player game if three other thieves have gone to a location that location is going to lock up and you will not even be able to get in there unless you have a key unless you use one of your precious keys which you really want to be using on a locker exactly yeah exactly so yeah that's the thing so you you can definitely during your downtime Think about what you want to do. Prioritize. Go, here's my number one thing. Here's my number two thing. Here's my number three thing. But you're not going to know what you're going to do till it's your turn because it's really going to depend on who's gone there ahead of you. Exactly. exactly. Or, or the police situation. Police can be moved around. Uh, you know, you can figure out how many wounds you're going to take. But then all of a sudden, there are four police on the tile you wanted to leave from. And before there was one and, or, you know, three those would be the most. But you know, let's talk about wounds really quick as well. Sure. So every time you leave a tile... You have to deal with the police on that tile. When you go into the tile, you don't have to worry about them. When you leave, you have to worry about them. So easy to get in, hard to get out. So once you leave, you either must have some kind of powers that manipulate the cops or deal with them or tiles you flip over for your costumes, things like that, or you just take one wound per police. So you have three wounds and little tokens that you're going to move over from healthy to injured. If you've taken all three wounds and you take a fourth wound and you have no way to mitigate it, you are going to get arrested. You're going to get a handcuff card. It is going to go down on the tableau where you normally put your contacts. Right, which are little cards. And it's going to permanently block a spot there. You have one less option for contacts. Correct. So if you that and by the way, when that happens, you only get one wound back. So you're one. You're basically only two wounds away from getting another handcuff card. Right now. The penalty of handcuff cards are twofold. One, they limit the amount of endgame scoring you can get for contacts. It's a max of 100. If you have five contacts at the end of the game, you'll get 100 points. Every uh, 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 handcuff card is obviously going to block a spot, thus lowering that. But also, you must remove a contact from your board at the end of the game for every handcuff on there. So if you have three contacts and two handcuffs, you actually have one contact at the end of the game, which is going to be worth zero points. So it could contacts, the, but you, if you have five handcuffs, you lose 100 points. Guaranteed, basically. If you have four handcuffs, you probably lose 100 points, too. If you have three handcuffs, you probably lose 100 points also. But the worst thing that can happen is lose 100 points. Now, that's just endgame scoring. It also means you're not going to have those contacts. You're not going to have space for them, which is very valuable. It also means it could remove a couple assets before you have a chance to use them as well because each of those little spaces hold an asset so there are some bad things that can happen with it but it's not if if a lot of people think in a game where you're taking wounds and you get arrested i think thematically you go oh i cannot let that happen it seems like it should be a bigger deal it's not yeah that's the thing it's not that bad i think uh a, a first game mistake is to worry too much about your wounds and your handcuffs well and and you even brought it up i mean yeah. last night you said 
should do some one of us try a game just, in which we ignore the cops entirely, yeah. just take all the wounds and see if you can win because by ignore because by ignoring the cops you're able to take actions that you wouldn't ordinarily take. You yeah. can skip going to the hospital for yeah. one of your actions. And remember, you could have only six actions and then need to escape the city. It, yeah. It's it's very low. So it'd be almost if I what if I said to you that your asymmetrical player power was you are a cop. You never have to worry about cops, but at the end of the game, you have minus 100 points. You would say that's a broken player power. But to a certain extent, maybe every, not. everybody has that. Now, also another thing, if you are all full of handcuff cards, you just don't take any more handcuff cards. So if you're at the top of the notoriety track, if you're at the very top of the notoriety track, every time you take notoriety, you get an, a wound. But if you have five handcuff cards, you don't. Yeah. You're just done. Now, that said... Neither of us ended up doing that. No. We ended up having less handcuffs than pretty much everybody. Because how the game worked out, I just ended up not having a problem dealing with the police. Yeah, and and nor did I. Because one of the things about the game is that I go to this location, I take this contact card, I take this asset off of my board, and now it's available for use. I get a fixer tile. I get all of these things. And invariably, those things, some of the time, are going to be dealing with the police. And... Even playing your ideal game and trying to ignore the cops as much as possible, you're still getting things to help you deal with the with the police. Let's end our review on this by attempting to rank our VTOL games. And I think that will let you know where this ranks for us. All right, let's do this. You want to try that? I'll go first. Okay. These are my VTOL asserted games in order. My number one VTOL asserted game of all time is the Galverst. My number two is Kanban. My number three is Lisboa. My number four is Vinos. <laughs> my number five is Escape Plan. And my number six is CO2. Now, I have played all of these games. The order could change on Escape Plan. Order's pretty locked in on the rest, I think. I have not played on Mars yet. Uh, it's not out yet. That's just a Kickstarter that just ended. But that's the order I'd put it in right now. The Galarus, Kanban, and Lisboa as my top three are a little malleable on, on what I've what theme I'm in the mood for at the time. They all I love them all sort of equally. Uh, Vinos I love a little less because Vinos to me is a little one one edge, and I, I think Vinos is going to be your number one if I had to guess. But I, Vinos for me is one edge a little too brain burnery for my for my level of enjoyment. It's just, it's not that it's too heavy. There's just there's a certain amount of stress that happens in that with with the timing of your wines and stuff that I I really if if I'm in the mood for it, I love it, but I have to be in the mood for it. I totally agree. It, it is it is maddening because it adds into uh the all of these difficult mechanisms that Vito puts in his games. It puts in a timing aspect yeah, that which is a little push your luck. Oh yeah. Yeah, it's 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 tough. It's tough. My number one is actually Kanban. Yeah, I love Kanban. It's I hard just, to not I just, love it. I yeah. just adore. Like that I game. said, the, my top three are pretty interchangeable. The lady boss moving around and yelling at you if you haven't met your quota. Sandra, Sandra and Sandra is in this game. Is the uh, is the AI play? When you play two players, you have to play with a third player, or else the board is a little too empty, and it's sort of controlled by an AI deck, and that is the same AI character that's in uh, Kanban. Sandra. Yeah, so Kanban, uh, she left the uh, the the auto facility <laughs> for a life of crime, and she decided no, 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 no she's, she's a, a police officer. She's a cop. cop. Yeah, yeah, she she decided to. She was maybe undercover the whole time. She maybe there was some oh, shady stuff happening at the, uh, the auto plant. <laughs> Interesting. Interesting. Um, yeah, so that's number one. Venus is number two for me. I, yeah. I, I, I love it. I yeah. just love it. I, I, I like 
Um, I like all three wine games. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Culture Vinos. What's the third one? Uh, Gran La Granja. Okay. Yeah. Granja. Oh, right, right. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's excellent. Uh, I think Escape Plan right now is number three for me. For some reason, ahead of the Gallerist. Lisboa. Oh, ahead the, of Lisboa. Lisboa and the Gallerist. Wow. Or Lisboa and the Gallerist to me are, are are dead even. Okay. Um, they're amazing games, but for me, um, they each feel. I don't know. They they feel a little samey. Yeah. They're, they feel a little same. They feel a little bit like I am doing these things, and I'm not sure that I see the the end the end of it. Right? It's, okay. They're a little less concrete than okay. than these other games, maybe a little bit. Uh, and then CO two CO two I think is a great idea. It's a better idea than it it's is a great a game. experience. It's yeah. not something, like something I want to play once or twice. Maybe it's something interesting to show people. If if somebody had, was came to me and was like, okay, tell me why board games are art. I'm I'm, I'm going to bring oh, up yeah. CO2 and be like, this is an incredible piece of art that that is is, is informative and also an interesting game. And let me say, if Gallerist is my number five Lacerda game, wow. it is the greatest number five game in the history. Yeah. Like, like there's it's no like ranking way. Kubrick films. It's like they're all masterpieces. It's yeah. like it's just the order of masterpieces. Oh, totally. Yeah. I, I totally agree with that. Uh, so that's escape plan. Clearly we like it. Uh, it's expensive. It's hard to come by in 90 days. You might be able to get it for a hundred bucks or so, but if you love Vital Lacerda games, we don't need to sell you on it. You're probably already in the market. And if you don't know Vital Lacerda games or don't love Vital Lacerda games, this is the one to jump this in. This is on. the entry point. This, this is, is the entry point for Vital Lacerda. This is a Vital Lacerda gateway game. It really is. It is. Because it's 90 minutes. Even if it's complicated and you don't enjoy it, it's over 90 minutes. <laughs> uh, and then you know whether it's for you or not. Um, great review. That was Escape Love Plan. It. We are now going to move into our first uh, member-specific segment. But all of our Can members... Can I say just one thing before we oh, do? Please, I please. just want to say that uh, you and I... This is the first game you and I have bought together. Is that true? I think yeah, it is. I, it I think is. it's okay. the first time we've, we've, we've ever we've ever split a game. It could be the death of our friendship. I do want to say no, 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 no. I do want to. No, you're going to take way better care than I will. Oh, yeah. That's that's, that's where true. the problem is going to come in. That's true. Uh, no, I do want to say that uh, uh, for 10, 20 years, I was the guy that had to buy all of the games yeah. and and have all of the game nights and and do all that sort of stuff. And I just want to tell you what a joy it is to have somebody that, <laughs> that is throwing themselves, you know, uh, uh, headfirst into this hobby. And and yeah, I mean that suggests that your brain new to it you are you are not yeah, yeah. what i mean to say is that it is great it is such a joy to me to have such an enthusiast like you uh, sharing this hobby with me it's it's awesome oh i'm so glad i'm so good well and i would not be in this hobby if not for you uh so are all of our uh member specific segments for this round are going to be based on top 10 lists and we're gonna have a different theme for each one usually somehow associated with that gamer and their gamer archetype this week's top 10 we've already mentioned to you this is top 10 games that aren't on everyone else's top 10 games list. Ooh. And as we discussed, we think this is this could be the the list that tells us the most about ourselves. Yeah. This is top 10 games that you should know about that you probably don't know about or that are better than you think they are. Absolutely. And we're going to try and do this in a little bit of a game show fashion where yeah. we will each give a short description of the game and the other person gets to guess what gets that guess what it. that game is. Uh, before we get in, do you think that you and I will have anything crossover. on our on our any crossover? I on our guarantee list? two. Really, I guarantee a minimum of two as crossover here. Interesting. Okay, I know. I I think I already know what one is. 
I don't know what that second one is. Okay. It'll, be I could be wrong. Yeah. It'll be interesting so to see. It'll be interesting So we are, uh, just, just time-wise, uh, we're, we're trying to move through this. Because this we could do this for two hours. Sure, sure. Because we're each going to go through ten games. So we're going to try to move through it a little briskly as Ugh. we can because we're already a bit time into it. So, Tom, do you want to start us off with your number ten? No, I want you to start off with you your number You want me to start? 10. Okay. My f- number ten game, I will give you a quick clue and see if you can guess it. This is a straight-up trivia game. Straight-up trivia game. I'm going to go Wits and Wagers. Incorrect. Ah! This is America, the trivia party game. Okay. Yep. Yep. Okay. Yep, yep. America. Interesting. We brought up Ted Allspock. This is a game designed by Ted Allspock and Friedman Fries, two very famous and wonderful board game designers. America, the party game or the trivia game uh, is just a trivia game, but it is a trivia game that's very fun and interesting and a great game to play with your family. This is literally my go-to game with the in-laws or my parents because you don't have to learn anything about games. It doesn't matter how tired you are, how long your day was. This is an easy game to play because all it is is we're going to have a stack of cards. Every card is going to have a topic. In that topic, you are going to have three different uh, things. The year, the location, and the number. So if it is, uh, let's say the topic is the Declaration of Independence, okay? The question would be, you know, what year was it signed? What state was it signed in? And how many people were present in the room when it was signed? Then everybody has cubes and they're going to place their cubes on what they think is the answer. And you do it in order though. So some of these you might not know the answer to, but you might think someone at the table knows. So you want to bet on whether they know it or not. So this is so not- So that is the Wits and Wagers. That's the exact mechanic got of Wits so, and Wagers, which predates this, but that's gotcha. great. So this is, it's not necessarily what you know. It's what you think other people know. And you're betting against them or for them on what they know. When when we play wits and wagers and and Paul and I play it a lot because it's a family game that yeah. we play we, we play with our family, um, it is always Paul and I trying to posture that we know it better than better than everybody yeah, yeah, else, yeah, yeah. and we're and half of the time we're Dead bluffing. Wrong. We have yeah. no idea. So that this is ranked two thousand seven hundred forty eight on Board Game Geek, not on no. a lot of top ten lists, very low. But I think this is a cheap game. I think it's forty dollars. It's still on Amazon, uh, and it's 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 fun because there's a geographical element. There's a map of America. There's a bunch of different. So it's a little bit different Wits and Wagers in that sense. But it is. Um, I really like it, and it's a game you can play with literally anybody. Nice. My number ten game. I refer to as Maharaja Poker. Oh. What's it actually called? Oh, no, you're telling me Maharaja this Poker. Is, this is your clue. Maharaja Poker. The Pogra. password is Maharaja Poker. Maharaja Poker. Um, I actually I have no idea. I can't. I got nothing. The game is called Taj Mahal. Oh, that's funny. That I was actually going to say Taj Mahal. Oh, you should have said I it. You should have gone yeah. for it because you could have had that one. Uh, Maharaja Poker, uh, 2000, a game from the year 2000. Which, which still to me sounds like the far future, even though it's 20 years ago. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Uh, Reiner Knizia. Reiner Knizia was the, what, 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 what could we call him? He was, the, he was the Babe Ruth of game design. That's, that's a, great, a great way to put it. Back in the day, he had more hits. He, he had more on bases. He was just ubiquitous in the hobby. A mathematician who designed games and designed some great ones. Maharaja is my favorite uh, um, Reiner Knizia game. Ranked right? 352 on BGG. 352, that's right. Um, my, two, my two second favorite games by him are um, Samurai, which is an amazing little abstract game. Uh, and the aforementioned, we, we, we just said it here. We said um, high, high Society, right? which is a filler I game. I have played Taj Mahal. I, I, I thought it was very fun. It was one of the, the very early games you taught me. The thing about it's it is... It's got a cool little component, a little gold ring. Yeah, it has a mechanic that I haven't seen since. 
or a mechanism, if you if you sure, insist. Sure. But I'd like. The I don't insist. Um, the me- the mechanism is this: is you get a hand of cards. These cards have colors in them, so they're sort of suits. They also have in the the upper right where you would normally see ace two or whatever. Mm-hmm. They have little symbols. There are five symbols that could be on that card, and each card will have a maximum of two symbols on it. Right. When you play, when it's your turn, you're going to play cards of the same color. And whatever symbol is out there, you're going to count as one. I have one elephant, and I have one princess. Mm-hmm. I have one Maharaja. I have one Grand Vizier. Those are the kind of things you're putting out. And other people... We'll also play a card. You can potentially play two cards if you play a white card, because a white card is a non-suited card that you can add to something else. Mm -hmm. And as you go around, when it comes back to you, if you are winning any one of the five symbol types, right? right? If you have more than everybody else of any one of those five symbol types, you at that point can withdraw, can pass, can get that out, and you can take that reward. Right. That reward is going to equal a palace that you're going to put into that first territory. Sure, sure. Right? Um, it's kind of amazing because what you can do in this game is uh, you're looking at what everyone else has already put down. You're trying to figure out what's my what's my best play. You can bluff in this game. You can put down a lot of things and just tell people, dude, I would not compete me compete with me on this. I got I got eight cards. I'm ready to play almost all of them. Right. You know, you're, you're going to go down. Um, the points are scored by three different means. One is by winning elephants, you're getting the resources in that in that uh, sector, and the resources of that region are additive. So if I got cocoa and rubies or something along those lines in one territory, and I get cocoa and rubies again, mm-hmm. I get two points for the cocoa and the rubies plus two for the other cocoa and the other rubies that I have previous, right. previously got. Right, right, right. Uh, you also get points for chaining those uh, those palaces together. Um Cool. It's a it's a really it's a it's a really yeah, really it's still game. available still in print and not that expensive. They had a reprint recently, so yeah. it's great. Yeah. Um, all right, we're gonna probably have to keep these to about a minute each if we're, I'm doing the the math on this. Oh really? Yeah. Well, we'll see. Because right. you you went you went as long as I did. All right, we're going my number one top ten games that aren't on everyone else's top ten game list. Number number nine, right? Number nine. This is a card game that sounds like an X wing call sign. A card game that sounds like an X wing call sign. Uh, <laughs> darn it um let's see okay, is it is it, is it uh, i'm thinking i'm thinking is it teacher is it hanabi is it no, none of the i'm sound, gonna go it was only an obvious one uh red five red seven red seven exactly. red seven yes, yes red yes. seven this is a carl chuddick game uh with the creator of glory to rome and innovation this is a fantastic fantastic tiny box card game that is very fun to play every card you play changes the actual game so when you play a card now we're playing this game now we play a different colored card the the, the rules of the game change to yellow the, so so if like orange is highest card wins yellow is most cards win so every time you play a card not only are you playing a card but you're changing the actual rules of the game very fun cheap little game love it red seven very unappreciated carl chuddick actual awesome game my number nine is the greatest oldest purest deduction game that only accountants should ever win sleuth yes it is sleuth is 1028 oh my god red seven's 589 by the way 589 uh 
He was a Sid Saxon design. He's the guy that 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 designed Acquire yeah. in those classic games. This is from 1971. The great thing about this game is that it is the purest deduction game that there is. Essentially, in a deduction game, you have a number of things that could possibly be what you're looking for. You take one of those things out, and then everyone has to figure out what's the one missing thing, right? Mm-hmm. Include, include or Cluedo, as it was initially called. That's what it is. It's like the, the killer and the murder weapon are the things that you have to determine. In this one, it's gems. There are gems, and we have to figure out which one has been stolen, Uh and the way you play this game is you get a piece of paper out and you take copious notes. Matt said that he had no blue opals. Right. Uh, this guy said he had no pairs of any diamonds of any kind. Mm-hmm. And by tracking that and saying, okay, that card, I passed this card to that person and then that person said this, you can make these amazing deductive leaps because, oh, that means, oh my God, that means he, he only has one pearl. Right. That's amazing because now I can check off all these boxes and it's impossible for that. And when you solve that game, when you can actually figure it out, it's absolutely incredible. Awesome. Amazing. Let's move on to number eight. This is the heaviest euro of 2013. Heaviest euro of 2013. (laughs) Easily the heaviest euro of 2013. 2013. Yep. Heaviest Euro 2013. Heaviest Euro 2013. <laughs> oh my goodness! Uh, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to pass. I'm gonna say Lignum, but it's not. The not answer Lignum. is Madeira. Madeira. Oh yeah, Madeira yeah, yeah, yeah. is a fantastic game. What's from, your game? From the from what's your game and the incredible design team of Nuno Bizarro, Santiago, and Paulo Soledad. Uh, Madeira is a masterpiece, in my opinion. An incredible heavy game. It's ranked uh, 326 on Board Game Geek. Now, this is a beloved game. A lot of people who like really heavy games might put this in their top 10, or probably at least in their top 30. I would. It is an incredible, incredible, heavy, heavy game. They are apparently going to be doing a new version of it uh, coming next year, but this is a game that I, I there are so many this is one of the this is the least likely game i'm ever going to want to teach to a person who's not a gamer there are so many interlocking <laughs> mechanisms and so much going on once you learn it it's not complicated there's just if you if you're not if you're not into modern board games it's going to blow your mind by the amount yeah. of different things there are no on. rule exceptions in it it's yeah. clean it's not there's no chrome to it yeah. but it is oh, it is so, but it's deliciously heavy yeah. and beautiful and the theme is so cool and it's such a it's an incredible game that uses dice in a really interesting way you're not actually rolling them but you do roll them at a certain point but everybody is equally screwed by them uh, an incredible game madeira my number eight the clue is 30 people can play this game at the same time it's a brain burner puzzle game oh uh robo rally no no oh that's interesting no well you're right you yeah. just you just named the wrong game okay Ricochet robots. Oh, that's what I meant. That's what yes, I meant. Yes, yes, yes. You, you, meant, you meant Ricochet robots. You meant Ricochet robots. That's exactly right, what right, this right. is. Okay, so Ricochet robots. I is, get those two mixed up. Yeah, I totally get it. Uh, game number 619 on the Geek. Uh, it is from 1999, and a guy named Alex Randolph designed it. Basically, there are five robots on a map. And there are special spaces on the map. There are little walls occasionally. And the rule is that when a robot moves, it slides and slides and slides until it hits a wall or until it hits another robot. What's going to happen is is each turn, one token will flip up. And that token will say, if it's a blue star, it means the blue robot has to stop on the star space on the on the square. Right. You can use any amount of robots you want to use. Mm-hmm. But what you're trying to do is you're trying to figure out the fastest way to get that robot to that space right. using all the things. And you're not actually touching the board. You're just doing is. it in your head. 
we have had 30 people staring at the just huddled around the board yeah. it looks it looks like a cult meeting and they are just staring intently at that board mm-hmm. all working in their head okay if this robot moves here he can stop there so right. then this guy's on so then the blue robot on the thing. other row people at conventions there's just people just standing staring at a board it is it is great for non gamers yep. because it is it, it fits the Sudoku puzzle puzzle, yep. puzzle thing, but because it's competitive because if you find a number you like call a, it out oh and you God, show it I can do it in twelve you yeah. like twelve twelve yeah. it's like bidding you flip a sand timer and then everybody has one minute to come up with their own someone bid. has to have eleven or you got it well or or maybe you maybe in that one minute you've forgotten it or missed it or you right, or right, you right. forgot about something so somebody else can get right. it wonderful game. Uh, my number seven top 10 games that are not on everyone. Top 10 games lifts is a medium weight, Harry Potter, medium weight, Harry, literally Harry Potter, <laughs> uh, medium weight, Harry Potter, Wiz war. No, this is Argent. The consortium. I love Argent. The consortium, a great worker placement game with one of my favorite mechanisms that I've never seen in another game. The victory conditions, the only victory conditions that will score at the end of the game are all secret. At the beginning of the game, except for one. I do not like Argent the Consortium. I love it. I, I think you should play the rebalanced version. They did they did a new rule set for it and there's an upgraded version of it. But right. uh, I really love this game. Great worker placement game. And the only way to find out how you're going to win the game is to to uh, get in with all of the different professors. At the, it literally is they just took Harry Potter and just reskinned it. Uh, right. It's magic school, and you have to get in with the professors and impress them. And when you impress them, they will tell you one of the victory conditions at the end of the game. So, and the more masters you impress, the more victory conditions you will get end up with. Now, I think one of the things you don't like about the game is there's a certain level of luck to just accidentally having the right ones or sussing it out. But you can also look around the table and see what other people are going for and sort of start figuring out, oh, that is probably a victory condition. I do like that. I do like that you can that you can draft of other people by seeing what they're Mm -hmm. what they're starting to do and and try to deduce what's going on. I do like that part of the game. Um, It's just a lot going on for me. Yeah, it's a it is. It's a pretty heavy game. It's ranked 413. Trey Chambers uh, is the designer of this. Came out in 2015. If that sounds fun to you, if you're looking for a Harry Potter Euro, uh, this is your this is your Huckleberry. My number seven game, I call a bucolic farming game. If bucolic means shivved in a shivved to death in a barren drainage ditch, Lignum. No, oh, good okay. guess, good Thanks. guess. Thanks. Uh, Santiago. Oh yeah, great. Santiago is a game by uh, Claudia Healy and Roman Pilek from 2003. It is number 596 on the Geek Ooh. right now. Used and, to be a big, a big hit Euro. I feel like. Oh, it's it's well. You know what? It, I don't ever think it quite got its due. Really? Okay. Um, but yeah, well, we we love it, and a lot of people. A negotiation game. It is because what you're doing is is there will be. It's just a barren plot of land. Mm-hmm. That we are then going to bid on plantains and potatoes and uh, beans and things like that. And we're going to be getting those plots and putting them onto this barren land and try to grow crops. Right. The, tricky, the trick to it is, is that we're bidding very tight money and we're bidding money to grab those plots and to put them in the field. Right. Whoever loses that bid, whoever's the least amount of bid, becomes the canal overseer. Okay. The canal overseer is going to decide where the water goes. The, he's going to put down one uh, stick, long stick, that is going a blue stick that is going to represent water, and only things that are touching that water uh, are going to remain. Everything else is going to right, shrivel right. up and die. That's nice thematically. 
it is brutal because people are bribing the canal overseer. Part of the game is to not just bid money to put your crops there, but to save enough money to be able to bribe the canal overseer to put the canal where you want the canal. Right. And remember, the canal overseer is a player just like you. Sometimes he's planting. And guess what? If he thinks you're winning, no amount of money is going to get is going to get those plants watered from you. You have to have a plan. It is absolutely brutal. It is so simple. I can teach it in three minutes, and it is fun as heck. Uh, my number six, six-player mass murder simulation. Six-player mass murder simulation. Six-player mass murder simulation. Oh, my goodness. Well, I can go through all my six-player games. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I want to say Dune. I don't think you've gotten one of my guesses yet, have you? Uh, no, you're tough. You're yeah. tough. You're tough. Um, six-player mass murder simulation. Uh, quartermaster General. Exactly. Your first one. Quartermaster General is the newest game to my collection no, I got on seven. our list. Oh, you did. You did get You were read five. But all yes, right. close enough. Uh, Quartermaster General is a game that really is a six-player only game. You can play with less, but they're just going to have to play more countries. It is a 90-minute to two-hour recreation of the entire World War II and all of its theaters. Uh, it is a very simple game. Play a card, draw a card. That literally is what you do. Sure. It's really fun. It's it's very tactical, not strategic. There's a lot of uh, randomness in it, but it's a great experience for everybody. Everybody's on either Axis side or the Ally side. They have Ally side. Everybody controls one country, and you have a specific asymmetrical deck for that country, and you're trying to use your powers best, but it's a team game. It's three people versus three people, which is really fun. And particularly, particularly great. It's hard to find a six-player game that really, really shines. And this one is so good for yeah. exactly and it, And you could teach, you could really teach it to anybody. You could sure. play with non-gamers. I mean, everyone will get this in two seconds. You're Japan. Here's your deck. You have three cards in your hand. Play one. What do you want to do? Help your team. Uh, really fun game, Quartermaster General. But I would, not, I would not recommend you buy it right now as a brand new, better upgraded and rebalanced version of it is coming sometime in the next year from Ares Games. And be careful when you buy it because there are 20 versions of this out now. So Yes, there, is ones, there are ones designed for every player count. So there's a five-player one that I think is World War One. There's a four-player one that is, I don't know, Cold War, whatever. There's a different version for every player count. So the, the Quartermaster General, the original, is six-player only, but they have one for every player and count, even up to generally two players. Generally considered the best is the six the, the original yeah exactly fantastic game all right Ranked my, 740 on board game geek should be much higher crazy crazy what's your six my number six is possibly the greatest euro ward game war game with the biggest game feature in history shogun yes oh i'm good at this Wallenstein or I shogun so i will accept this. i will accept either of these the game feature we're talking about is the army tower. Yeah. Um, basically, it is it is the dice tower before dice towers. Uh, it's a cube tower. Yes, it is. Uh, Wallenstein, the first one, came out in 2002 by Dirk Hen. Um, it is it is absolutely wonderful. You got there's no difference in Wallenstein and Shogun other than theme, right? Barely, barely. There's a, there's a couple little things that are that are a tiny bit different, but really, really no no difference. Yeah. Um, it's a wonderful game. You're uh, you're only going to get about eight things to do in the game. You're yeah. going to be planning it's your tight. You, for every territory you control. You're going to be able to put a card face down in your tableau, and those cards are going to be placed to say, attack somebody here, attack somebody there, um, build a temple, build a castle, build a, a rice farm, or whatever, whatever. The, depending on the theme, you're building these things, um, gain troops here move troops here that's all you're going to do and whichever card whichever territory card you put down that's where that action is going to take place yeah. so 
it is a sort of secret programming thing where nobody knows what anyone has done, but you're trying to play this massive game of multiplayer chess against one another. It plays wonderfully. And the and that tower is so cool. The, the cube it, tower is fantastic. It's this cube tower with these little shelves inside of it. And when you plunk a cube into it, it's kind of like it, you see what you don't know what cubes are going to be knocked out by that cube and come pouring out. So there's a, there's a randomness to it. So uh, under the, in the hands of a, a lesser designer, what you would do is you would roll the dice and you would see what happens to your armies right. that are fighting these other armies. In this game, you literally scoop up all of the cubes that are fighting each other mm-hmm. in that sector and you pour them. It's like one of those like uh, coin push games where you put a quarter in and yeah. the thing pushes. You don't know what quarters are going to fall out. Right. I put, in, I put in four armies. Matt puts in two armies. And sure enough, only Matt's two armies come out. Yeah, exactly. right. He has one. I'm devastated, but I'm not that devastated because unlike the, unlike a bad roll a of bunch the of dice, cubes in, the cubes in there built that's right. up. I got cubes in there, and they're going to come out. Yeah. That that will maybe. end up maybe. Well, <laughs> not I've, guaranteed. I've, I've, I've had times when none of them have. Yeah, ever they come just out. stay in there the whole game. But for the most part, it's dice with memory. Yeah, it's an awesome game. Uh, we're into our top five now. My number five. My uh, clue is: kill your family members, win some points. Kill your family members. Win some points. Kill your family members. Win some points. Oh, village. Yes, village. Uh, ranked 124, one of my highest on, on my list here. Uh, Inca Bronk and Marcus Bronk uh, made this game. Am I, is it Brand or Bronk? I don't know. I might have had a misspelling there. Uh, village is a fantastic Euro. On, easily one of my favorite Euros of all time. I love it with all of the expansions. There are two big box expansions in it. This is a game where you have a bunch of family members, and every time they do something, time passes, and time is a resource in the game. If you want your family member to be trained up as a uh, as somebody who breeds cattle, it's going to take them three time in order to learn that skill. And that time you could look at as like three decades to become a master in that. So uh, they only have 10 decades in their life. So you're spending three of their decades to learn them this. Then they're now they're part of the family. Now they've skilled it. They're learning it. But every time they do it, it's going to take them a year to make you five cattle. And then eventually they're going to die. And you have to bury your family members somewhere. But where you bury them... Uh, you're going to score endgame victory points if you buried them uh, as per their job they did. So the first three you know, people who die who were cattle raisers or blacksmiths or whatever get to be buried in the specific honorable part of the thing. But clergy and all that sort of yeah. stuff. And you're racing to be the first people buried to, in these to, places. To, yeah, and if the, if the burial place for that kind of job is all full, you go to Potter's Field where you get no points for your dead family members. So it's a game where you're... The but, saddest place. But also, if you kill too many of your family members then you have no uh, workers left your family members are your workers so there's this great balance of how long do i want to keep them alive how and, and or how quickly do i need to murder this person <laughs> in order to make sure I, I get the last spot in the graveyard that's worth points at the end of the you game you seem to misunderstand what the game is actually, actually about. <laughs> it's the it's the beautiful passage of time and the cycle of life and new babies are born and then you decide how to train them up and will they follow in their father's footsteps and now you just got to murder them quickly so you can get some points <laughs> you're not murdering anybody oh my god all right my <laughs> Time is murdering them. Time is murdering them. Time is murdering them. The the Grim Reaper. Uh, My number five game is a brain-burnering game that I never win that is all about negative space. Oh, a brain-burnering game that you never win. It's all about negative space. I I don't know. Dimitri even mentioned it in his episode. Negative space. Negative space. 
Feast for Odin? No, it wouldn't be a Feast for Odin. It's, I don't know. Fresh Fish. Ah, uh, yes. Fresh Fish. Fresh Fish. Fresh Fish. Fresh Fish. I was so happy when Dimitri mentioned it. I've never played Fresh Fish. Have you, oh, well, then then it's hard for you to guess. I know. Freeman Frieza, the madman. He's twice on this list. The madman from 1997. Um, it is ranked 2,229, which is an uh, a travesty. Crazy. A travesty. That, a that, travesty. Yeah. Not the worst on our list. As, uh, that is definitely America, the board game at 5,000. No, that's, re- that's really bad. But it, it is... Oh, it, two, this, no, wait. What is it? Sorry. It 2,200. Oh, no. America's 2,748. There you go. Yeah. No, it, it is bad. It is bad that it's rated so lowly. It is a, an amazing game. You... Uh, in the beginning of the game, the entire map is just going to have four shops. It's going to have a fish shop. It's yep. going to have three other three other shops. You are going to be placing cubes that are going to reserve plots of land on the board. Right. You are going to be bidding when we start flipping over tiles. You're going to be bidding on the like the fish um, market. Right. Everybody's going to have to have a fish market at the end of the game. Right. The question is, is how many road spaces does it take to get from the docks to your fish market? Okay. The person who has the least amount of road spaces between them, that's the person who has the freshest fish. Got it. Sure. Makes right? sense. The, the trick to the game is that nobody places roads. Roads are placed by a by rules called mm-hmm. expropriation. Okay, so, so sort of when AI. exactly, so when tiles are placed, eventually what will happen is a tile will be placed in such a way that they'll say, "Wow, that has to be a road because it because this rule is, is right." Effect, sure, sure, right? sure. Every every um, store has to have oh, an exit. It sounds like it's going to give you a headache. It is. Not, it's not too bad because all everybody is watching for this. Everybody's looking for it. Like every game, somebody will you'll miss something, and somebody will say, "Oh wow, you know what? Uh, like two turns ago, that should have been a road because of this." And we just yeah. fill it in. We just yeah, fill yeah, it in sure. at that point. Uh, it is. It's an amazing game. You're going for the lowest score, the lowest number of road spaces between all four of your buildings and all four of the places that produce the thing that those buildings want. Right. It's wonderful. My number four. Is an art house board game. Art house board game. Brussels? Well done. All Brussels, right. 1893 from Etienne Espressman. I'm coming back. Etienne's only designed game at this point. Uh, apparently, there's going to be a reimplementation of Brussels coming maybe in 2019. Brussels, 1893, it was also alongside uh, Madeira, would definitely be in a list of my favorite heavy euros. It's amazing. I love Brussels. It's absolutely incredible. Uh, Alexandre Roche did the art for it, and it might be the most beautiful game to me. I mean, it is ridiculously beautiful. It's the same artist as Trois. Let's not talk about it too much, because I think that would actually be a really great uh, top 10, the top 10 most beautiful games, and it uh, it would be hard to... So Brussels is uh, a game about you are a, a benefactor of uh artists in brussels in 1893 and you are either collecting artists or or supporting architects or you know you are you're helping other artists and it's a a modular board that you're building together there's so many interesting mechanics that i've never seen again um it is a truly original euro and know it there's this clock that's moving around i mean it's 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 very heavy it's rated 3.59 on the geek for weight uh and it is ranked um uh, 267. And this to me is a top 100 game. 
on the BGG. I'm surprised. Yeah, this I, listen, I didn't I, get the respect it deserved. Yeah, it, it's a little esoteric, uh, a little bit in terms yeah. of uh, in terms of the subject matter and the and the design. So yeah. I don't I don't mind top three hundred for that. But I uh, but in my personal pantheon, uh, I I think it's way higher than An that. Incredible game. If you can get your hands on it and you like heavy games, I, I cannot recommend it higher. My number four game is the war game. So good that it has its own convention. And I'm going to give you one more clue. Okay. It is a game that you have never played that I have told you that you need to play probably 10 times. Advanced Civilization? Nope. No. No. Friedrich. Oh, yeah, yeah. Friedrich. There's really a whole convention for Friedrich? There is a, there's, a, there's a convention that people come from all over the world just to play Friedrich. Amazing. It is a, ter- tournament, a Friedrich tournament every year. 2004 game. It is from 2004, Richard Civil, and it is game number 535 on the Geek. Uh, what can I say about this game? Um, it is a it is a incredibly detailed war game, asymmetric war game. It is uh, Friedrich the Great of Prussia was in a three way war. He was fighting um, Russia, he was fighting France, and he was hiding, uh, fighting Austria Hungary all at the same time. And in an amazing feat. His troops, his Prussian troops, were so well-trained. He was racing them to and fro across his own country, fighting off three major powers at the exact same time and beating them. Mm-hmm. You get to play that. One person plays Friedrich. That person. So it's only a three- or four-player game. Interesting. It's only a four-player game. Don't okay. play with three. Don't play with three. It is, it is amazing. Uh, the person playing Friedrich is fighting all three other people. The, all th- the other three people, they're each trying to... to meet their own victory conditions, which is capturing strategic places on the board with little flags on them. Oh, he also did Worsin das Volk, which you taught me. Yes, in das Volk. Yeah, and, and exactly. Maria. And Maria, which is, Maria is basically a three-player Friedrich. Exactly, yeah, yeah, totally. Um, That's awesome. Ooh, I can, t- I can teach you. Maria's in the top ten war games of all time. Uh, it, it's amazing. I like Friedrich even better. Really? Uh, the deal with Friedrich is I can, t- the rules for the game are on a playing card. Yeah, yeah. I can cool. teach it to you in Ooh. a minute. Right, let's do it sometime. It has four awesome. four decks of regular playing cards, just with beautiful beautiful backs. Yeah, and that's how you play the game. Each sector of the map mm-hmm. has a suit, and when you play a card, it can only be you can only play of the suit where the army is cur- yeah, yeah. is currently in. It's absolutely wonderful. That sounds amazing. We are in our top three. My number three is best as a six player murder simulation. <laughs> <laughs> didn't you just say that yeah didn't you just say uh-huh. that okay six player murder simulation six player murder simulation uh dune i don't know tribune <laughs> oh there you <laughs> there's go. a lot of murder in there you go uh that's true tribune i this is the one i think is gonna be in both of our lists i could be wrong carl heinz schimmel who also did uh your favorite game of all time Dimaker. Dimaker. Uh, this is a very underrated worker placement game. Very underrated. Possibly the most underrated worker placement game of all time. I don't think that that is an incorrect statement. Tribune is a game that takes place in uh, ancient Rome, and you are placing workers on there, and there is set collection and cards. And it ha- it plays two to five players, but there is an expansion, which good luck getting it. And it took me years to find one. It is available price. on the Geek. It is expensive, but it is available on the Geek. It adds a sixth player. And uh, Tom and many people, and I, I can't necessarily disagree with this, say it is the greatest expansion ever made as it adds a sixth player to the game that is playing a different game from everybody else. In the game, there are elements that will be wasted and unused. 
the sixth player essentially grabs up all of those elements and uses them and fights against everybody else. So, this Amazing. Is, this is rated 528 on the Geek, which is insane. I mean, look, peop, I, this is people who love board games love Tribune. I, I know yeah. many people who consider this game a classic, but it is it is it somehow has not uh, jumped over to the, the mass audience. It is made by Fantasy Flight Games, which is, I think, uh, a very rare thing to find in heavy Euros. Um, I agree. I agree. Uh, I will say that the expansion really makes the game exactly yeah. what it needs to be. Yeah. Tri- Base Tribune is a very good game. Yeah. Uh, Tribune plus expansion is an amazing game. It's an incredible. Game. It, it'd definitely be in your top 10 of all time, I think, right, Tom? We shall see. Uh oh. We shall see. Number three for me is a game that has its own unofficial slogan. The slogan is. Ruining friendships for over 50 years. Diplomacy. Diplomacy is correct. Ding, ding, ding. Number 547 on the Geek. This game is from 1959. Have you noticed something? All of my games are... are Super old. Crazy old. I'm yeah. so, uh, I apologize about that. Uh, Alan Calamer. Um, I will tell you, I want the to... The only game used as a learning uh, tool in universities all over the world. Correct. It was played in the Kennedy White House. Yep. Uh, it is it is an amazing game. It is super easy to learn how to play it, and it is absolutely brilliant. You play the seven powers of Europe prior to World War One, and each person has the option to move their move their armies, caravan their armies, build new armies and navies, um, and. Basically, if two people move into the same space at the same time, neither one moves in. They bump and they and they go back. So in order to do anything in the game, you have to form alliances with the other armies and the other navies and the other world powers. And those uh, alliances and the breaking of those alliances is absolutely brutal and absolutely wonderful. They, it is said, and I completely agree, after you play diplomacy, every game is diplomacy. All right. It is the metagame to break all metagames. Uh, my number two is one of my favorite games of all time and a, a true un, uh, unappreciated gem. I, I kind of think my number three and my number two are in Tom's top three. Let's see. This is 18xx the dice game. 18xx the dice game. Uh, age of team? Panamax. Panamax. <laughs> Panamax is Panamax. an incredible game. Uh, another game from uh, the second time that you've seen a Nuno Bizarro Santiero and Paulo Soledad game on here, also designed by Gil de Oriel. Uh, Panamax is a game of shipping, shipping uh, on large shipping containers and uh, ships. It is. I say 18xx the dice game because it is a game of owning stocks sure. and uh, being involved in stock companies and dumping those stocks. And but it also completing orders and completing moving orders. Things, yes, but it also has pick a up, pick uh, up and deliver. I think a, yeah, a dice element as well. But you're not ro- you're rolling those dice and then everybody is drafting those dice dice in order to take the actions they need. And those dice are actually crates that go onto your ships that you need to ship all over the world and i think i i feel like I, it's been a little while since i've played it but I, I love it every time i play it yeah i do feel like it probably has a shorter rule set than a lot of games that are as heavy as it is yeah so panamax is a beast to teach i would it, it is ooh, it's a teach it is because it because it, it's not like and so a lot of a lot of the shorthand that we have a gaming group has is i can often when teaching a game go it's this mecha- mechanism from this game this mechanism this game sure you you know this you get this Panamax and Brussels and Madeira are all games 
that have no mechanisms that I can say are like, they are all very wildly original. But the thing is, the Panamax, the rules are actually small, but teaching it takes a long time. It's not... And it is about the Panama Canal. So it is about the the strange lock system in which ships move through the Panama Canal and uh, have to be chained together in order for the locks to close. And so this is very interesting sort of if I'm, I want to be with you, I want you to be incentivized to push my ship because your ship is, you know, in the same locks as mine. And they are, this is very interesting. The opposite of drafting in, in, yeah. in, in drafting, you're trying to get behind somebody and, and, and this one, you want to be in front of them. So they push you, they have to push you because yeah. they need to, they need there's to only one the lane in or out of the locks there. So you, you want to be blocking things up with your ships so that people behind you go, Oh, okay. Well now I'm just giving you free actions and pushing you through. Absolutely. Wonderful game. Amazing game. My number two game is a medieval sandbox game. If the sandbox is littered with used syringes. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, man. Medieval sandbox game. Um, I got nothing. Antiquity. Oh, okay. There you go. Antiquity. Uh, splatter game. We've, we've talked about. I don't know how many times we've talked about splatter, yep. but we will continue singing sing their praise. Um, this probably is my favorite splatter game, which is, which wow. is like saying, what's your favorite child? Because yeah. they're all... Or what's your favorite Vital Assertic game? Absolutely amazing. No, they really are. Yep. Um, Ranked 197 on the Geek. 197, which is, which is great, but criminal. It, it, is, it is an absolutely astonishing game. Um, we, are, we, are build, we start off with a city on a large hex map in the Dark Ages, essentially, in, in the beginnings of medieval Europe. The largest volume of pieces in the game that are going to be placed down are pollution tokens mm-hmm. and graves. It is a brutal, brutal game. You can build anything. There's, you get this menu, this, this chart that has all the things you can build. For one stone, you can build these eight buildings. For one wood, you can build these seven buildings. And you're going to put them Tetra-style into your own particular uh, city. And then from that, you're going to be putting things on the board around that city. But everything you build... Everything you do is causing pollution, and it is just you're eating up your own land, and you're sickening your own land, and you're killing your own people. There's famine and and all this sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, I, I may not be selling it very well. No, I mean, I, but I, I will say that I've read the rulebook. I've learned it. It's it's a really interesting. It's also one of the the most distinct looking games of all time. Yeah, it, it, in terms of that splatter handmade style, I think it's absolutely gorgeous because it looks Baroque and Byzantine, and it's absolutely wonderful. I, I could not recommend it more highly. Um, my, where shoot, here we are. Here we are, number one. My number one game. Give it to me, what do you got? That is a game that is not on everyone else's top ten list. This is the best. Dudes in Space game ever made. The best dudes in space game ever made. Dudes in space. (laughs) (laughs) You're not going to get this one. You've never played this game. It is not on your radar. Really? Forbidden Stars. Amazing. I did not see you getting that. Forbidden Stars. Have you ever played Forbidden Stars, Tom? No, I never we're have. We're going to set aside a, a day, and we're going to play Forbidden Stars. Forbidden I, Stars. I've been wanting to play is, Forbidden Stars for years. Forbidden Stars is a masterpiece. I actually think it is the greatest fantasy flight game ever made. I just said that out loud. I'm, guys. A, I'm, I'm, I'm on board. Forbidden Stars is designed by Samuel Bailey, James Niffen, and Corey Knizia. Uh, it is number 84 
on the BGG of all time. Look, this is my highest rated game on here. But um, in terms of BGG ranking, this is a top 100 game. Forbidden Stars is out of print and very hard to get right now, unfortunately, uh, unless there are still some copies available. But Fantasy Flight lost the license for, for uh, Warhammer 40K. Uh, so this game will never get an expansion. It will never get remade. Uh, you can get some copies that go for close to $100. Um, this is a four-player asymmetrical war game. Uh, 4x a bit. Mm-hmm. So many interesting mechanics, uh, mechanisms. You are basically going up a tech tree. One of my favorite tech trees ever in this game in terms of the order that you're building. Mm -hmm. So you're building things in order to create an army, which is starting to give you asymmetrical powers. Um, and, uh, you are at the beginning of the game. If you've ever played game of Thrones, okay, this is a, this is mildly similar to the game of Thrones board game, but I don't like the game of Thrones board game. This is (laughs) what that should have been. Okay. You at the beginning in Game of Thrones, everybody places face down actions all over the board, right? You Correct. know where somebody is going to do something, but you, you don't, don't know whether or not they're attacking. You don't defending. know what they're going to do. Right. This takes that mechanism, which is, I think is a very fun mechanism. It's exciting. You go like, I know where where Paul's going to do his actions, but man, is he is he is he just building something or is he attacking me right now? Do I need to defend this or is he just, is he actually helping me by coming and helping me colonize this area? And it's this amazing table tension and you know, it, it, it's, it's, it's one of the most tense games I've ever played. The amount of laughter happened. The minute somebody places something, everybody starts laughing. You're just like, (laughs) Oh, good luck reading that dude. Like it's, it's so fun and so exciting. But the mechanisms are so fun, and the combat is amazing. It is not this silly dice-chucking, dice-building, let's-see-who-wins combat. The combat is so interesting because it is really based on on your deck and your cards. You are rolling dice, but it is completely mitigated by how much preparation you've done towards combat. And you can win this game by not ever worrying about combat and ignoring it completely. You lost me at Paul, but other than that, it sounds great. <laughs> it's beautiful. It's one of the most beautiful games ever made. The pieces are incredible. Each different faction is so is a completely different game and so fun to play, but not one of those games where it's like, well, I have to play it before I even know how to handle it. They're all very You get what they do. So they're, are they're we playing archetypes. this or Gloomhaven on Tuesday? What are we playing? It's I don't know. I, yeah, we'll figure it out. It's but I, I couldn't love Forbidden Stars more. I'm wildly passionate about it. It would be in my top 10 games of all time. And for my number one game, do you realize that we haven't had a single crossover yet? That I, I, I'm not I, I thought even one. Tribune and Panamax we would cross over on. I until, thought those were guaranteed. Until now. Uh, here comes Tribune. Tribune is correct. Yeah, of course. <laughs> that, I thought group. you'd have Panamax. Totally cool. I'm really surprised you didn't have Panamax. I love Panamax. I love Panamax. The, but um, I would say because it is a little bit like a, a, an 18xx game, mm. I feel that that there were other games that to me, to me because I've played so many games for so many years, the ones that are really unique and yeah. are completely... And by the way, Panamax is, in retrospect, I maybe should have put it on the list because mm. it is a very unique game. Yeah. Uh, but Brussels, tremendously unique yeah. game. So for me, it was, you know, the Friedrichs and, uh, you know, Diplomacies and Santiago's of the world. Those are cr- incredibly unique games. I've never played a game quite like them. Right. Uh, Tribune. Yeah, Tribune is it. Uh, once once again, 2007. The most, they probably, I think we both agree, the most unappreciated game. is This should be spoken about in the same breath as caverna or uh yeah, yeah. Know, the classics uh, agricola twilight struggle it, terraforming it's, it's, mars it, it is great it, western trail 
It combines um, two they, fantasy. Are both of our top games fantasy, fantasy flight, flight games? Nobody would have called that. Don't ruin this for both me. Both of our number ones are FFG games. Don't, don't ruin this for and, me. And FFG games that are unlike other FFG games. Oh my god! I will say that 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 my game, my fantasy flight game, has no plastic figurines. No, it doesn't. To be clear, There's no spaceships. To be clear, no spaceships. What it does is it, it combines in Tribune. You are placing workers to collect cards. So you're basically combining set collection yep. and worker placement. And the other thing is is that uh, as per the conversation that you guys had just a little while ago mm-hmm. about um, victory points are bad, yeah, uh, there are no victory points in this game. That's right. This is a game in which you have, a, you, you have uh, a list of eight uh, things, goals that you can achieve. Right. And you need to Depending be on player the first counts. person. Yeah, you need to be the first person to get four of them. Right. It doesn't or matter which ones; they're all equally weighted. And it's it's wonderful because everybody is looking and like, how many victory conditions does does he have? Oh, he only has one. And you think, okay, well, I don't have to worry about him. But if you really look, oh my goodness, he is one. Yeah. W- one laurel away from that victory condition. He is one move away from that victory condition, and you and can, you know a game is well designed when in most games. Everyone is one away on the same turn. Oh, it, they are. They everybody is is like if if I can just if I can just everybody make sure is that one action away from winning by I, the end of this game. I win the game a lot, and when I win it, it's almost always because I take an action that makes sure that you can't win this round. Yeah. Because if you can't win this round, I'm going to eat your lunch next round. Yeah. I'm going to be able to jump totally jump jump ahead. But you got to sometimes take those actions that are stopping another person from from getting that. It, it's I, I can't speak more highly, I, I, highly I, about I, it. Fantasy Flight Games has a tendency to take old designs and put their new IP over them. I would think it, it, it is possible that one day we are going to get a Tribune reskin. Maybe it's Dune. Maybe it's Lord of the Rings. I don't know. Whatever. It'd be, a, but it's such an incredible mechanism and such a great game. Um, it's you know, unfortunately, we've just told you two out of print games as our top ones. I hate telling people games that they really can't get without spending an arm and a leg. But you know, maybe it, you'll find it somewhere used at a, a you know, <laughs> if you can Salvation get it, Army somewhere yeah. that they didn't know the price of it. If you can get it. Uh, if you can buy the expansion, pay, pay the money for the expansion. The, yeah. the expansion makes the game the expansion, sing so like, much. It's going to cost you $200 to get this base game in the expansion. Probably. No, I don't think so. I don't think well, it's... Don't let's, look, let's, yeah. look, let's look right here. Uh, but it's never going to get cheaper, <laughs> uh, unfortunately. Oh, so. uh, come on. It's on Amazon for 99 bucks. You're right. For, for $20 shipping. So $120 you can get the game plus the expansion. Hey, guess yeah. what? Uh, very good copy at the in the geek market for 65 bucks. Just for the expansion, though. Yeah, just for yeah, the Well, you're going to also pay about 80 to 100 for the base game right now, unfortunately, too. Yeah, all right. Um, anyway, those are our top 10 games. They're not in everybody's top 10 games. Trey, the designer, has sent in his little honorable mentions. He wanted to get involved in this as well. Let's go over his really quickly. Quickly, Archipelago, fantastic semi-cooperative game with a questionable theme. <laughs> uh, that uh, is 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 a great game uh, mechanism wise. Highly very fun. Yeah, highly recommended. Uh, Francis Drake, which would have I, I would have put it in my top ten if Trey hadn't. I love that game. A really really bizarre bizarre sort of worker placements. It has this uh, it has this track where you're you're gearing up to go out on an exploration. It's like a Moncala. 
Uh, a little bit, yeah, 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 yeah. But the pace at which you go through that is is wonderful. Uh, the only other game I know that that does that particular mechanism that particular way is Lignum, which yeah. is also fantastic. And then there's a whole second part of that game, which is then you sail your ships and you conquer things. <laughs> and speaking of a game in two parts, Reworld, mm-hmm. which was a surprise hit for us at the year we went to uh, to Essen. Yeah. Uh, it, it is a game where we are abandoning the planet and we're going to colonize a new world. And uh, the first part of the game is gathering the resources and the modules that you're going to be landing on that planet. And then the second part of the game is landing those resources. Um, it, Designed by two of the greatest designers of all time, uh, Wolfgang Kramer and Michael Kiesling. Kiesling. Yeah, absolutely. Two absolutely. amazing designers. A study in Emerald. which is Martin Wallace. Martin Wallace. Martin Wallace's version of... Uh, of deduction yeah 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 absolutely fantastic greed incorporated he put a splatter on that list this is yep. this and by the way this is the most unsung splatter yeah absolutely uh which is uh, wonderful and just brutal and your and, only crossover here is taj mahal trey trey also wanted would have thrown taj mahal onto that list yes trey yes um, I hope you found that interesting. I th- we just gave you 20 games that you may have never heard of or at least uh, un- did not maybe appreciate enough and are worth taking a look at. If they sound interesting and if you can find them at a reasonable price, there's a bunch of these that you can that you can find, that you can get out there. If it, if it tick- tickled your fancy, look it up on The Geek. And if it, if it draws your interest, uh, I think I can guarantee you that every single one that Matt, Matt mentioned and hopefully every single one that I mentioned will be well worth your time. We're going to quickly do one or two games from our board game sommelier. We have this really great theme song. I can't remember who made it for us, but it please, goes like this. Please don't play it. Sometimes a player just got to know which game should stay, which game should go, which to play with mama, madame, abou. You got to tell me, monsieur, just what to do. Want to make an impression, but I can't get far. As my 50th player of Agricola. A million games. Show me the way to the master. <laughs> The game I, w- I probably would have skipped yeah. Game Somalia this week if you weren't sitting there. And yeah. Thank you for that, Tom. I really do appreciate you making that song for us. I really enjoyed it. It is uh, nothing, monsieur. It is uh, my pleasure. Matt, what are some good mid to heavy games for two people Ooh. that are scaled well or intended to be two people? There is one answer to this question. That is correct. Nope. There are two answers to this question. That is incorrect. There are two answers to this question. <laughs> the first answer is Twilight Chess. Struggle. First answer is Twilight Struggle. Twilight Struggle is the answer. Is one of the best. Two. I will, there is another one, though. There are two, the two greatest two-player games of all time. Give me the second one. War of the Ring. War of the Ring is a masterpiece. An incredible, perfect, the, the greatest adaptation of an IP ever done in gaming. I will, I will tell you that I only own the first edition of it. And I've only played the first edition. Second ever. edition is an absolutely incredible masterpiece game. Okay, the first edition was a little problematic. It was great. Yeah, they, they fixed it. The second player, the second game is so perfectly balanced. Uh, it is asymmetrical. One person takes the free people. One people. One person takes Sauron. And it it really does you. By it is a three to four hour long game, but you experience the entire Lord of the Rings trilogy. It, like it really feels like you read the books or watched the movies. I well, mean, that's, it's like a perfect thing between the two of them. Right? Implementation of the theme. It is so hard to make a game that is both a great game and a great simulation, and both of these games do that. Yep. Right there, uh, Twilight Struggle. You feel like I've prosecuted the Cold War. Yeah, and absolutely. It, it is absolutely amazing. And and War of the Ring. 
I feel like I've gone through the entire thing. I, did I stop in Gondor? Yeah. Did I d- did I try and sneak the ring bearers in when no one was watching? What did I? Which way did I go with that? War of the Ring and Twilight Struggle are two games that you could potentially, if you just had a play a person that you are, are regularly playing games with, never play another game and yeah. be happy for probably ten years playing that once a week. You and I, how many times have you and I played Twilight Struggle? Many times, dozens. Yeah, both, both I, I those games. Feast for Odin. Feast for Odin is That's supposed to play wonderful, yeah. but too totally. Thank you for that question, Derek. I'm going to skip the next one and go to. This is a very uh, interesting question. I don't know how to answer this necessarily. Toughest one. James LeBlanc asked, "Great game for a first or second date? Please, uh-huh. does, please assume the person is not too heavily into gaming." I I have no idea how to answer that question. I got I, I would, got five suggestions my first suggestion would be i don't know maybe don't play don't a game. Do don't, don't play do a game don't play a game maybe the only winning move is not to play <laughs> yeah, i think it might be i think you know i mean unless the person has already said they love board games in which case the second part of your question doesn't make sense because you said not too heavily into gaming all right so here's here's my thing oh jeez. you want to do it you want to go for it I say, I say, it is a risk. Huge it is risk. a risk. But guess what? Just go to dinner. It might be worth it if <laughs> if, if 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 she seems down to clown. If or she he, seems, or if he. she seems, she or he seems seems like they they might you know they're they're a little geeky and they might get yeah. into something a little out there. I will say that I could see the mind being a very interesting. Totally. That's a good call. Interesting game to play on a date because when it works, if you can get it to work. You create this illusion of telepathy between yeah. the two. All you're of you. looking for is an icebreaker, right? On a first, I mean, he said yeah. first or second oh, date. That's you don't know the but person, it's a, but it's a way to connect with them, right? The, it's a lot of, but, but hold on, a lot of long eye contact. With that's a what I'm saying. That's a good that's thing. Uncomfortable eye Look, contact in, with a in a first or second date with somebody you like. <laughs> what you're looking for is you're looking for an accelerator. You're okay, looking for me. how can I break? I've down. invited you on a date. It's our first one. We're, we're romantically interested in each other, and now I've just said stare deeply into my eyes for 20 seconds straight while trying to guess a number <laughs> but no you didn't say that the rules said that. yes exactly. I, we, I just we're just doing what the rules what say. else you got for these for this probably mistake choice code names duet okay yeah sure it is, a, it, is a, it is a two-player code names game which breaker. once again it, it, it's an icebreaker but once again it is can we lock minds yeah can we be thinking about the same thing because if you can you create that right this is a relationship accelerator this right. is a thing that wow you know what we really, we really synced up there, and that is attractive to people. It is right. attractive to people when you can have a moment where you sync up with somebody that you barely know, and it might create that that a little bit of intimacy a little faster than you would otherwise. All right, I have one recommendation. Give it eighteen thirty. <laughs> if they say yes, you just you go get That's a it. ring. That's go it. Just get, get a ring. ring. Right now. Vegas. Go get the ring. Vegas. Yeah, immediately. Tonight. Just you, if they say if you put that on the table and they go, oh, I've been dying to play this. You say we're not playing this. We're getting married. And then last but not least, I will just, I'll give one more and we'll give, we'll give the whole thing. Uh, there is a very simple game called Spot It. Yep. Spot It is a game where you have a round round cards. Everybody gets a hand of however many or, or whatever. You flip over one and you have to figure out which pattern, which symbol of the nine symbols okay. on, the, on the thing. Sure matches the one in your hand. So you're trying to quickly say, well, no, that the bumblebee isn't the same as the one the one that I have, but oh, the sled, the sled is mine. And boom, right. and you grab those cards and you're trying to grab those cards. So it's a little bit like spit where you're trying to grab things as fast as you can, but yeah. it's also pattern recognition. So in terms of, I don't need to make strong eye contact. I don't need to, to pull that into it, but it's just a, a kind of fun, quick, 
little mental game yeah. is a good one for that. Look, if you want to give it a shot, my, my, my overall uh, mantra in gaming is never try to make a non-gamer a gamer. Just find gamers. Correct. Don't, uh, don't, don't force people. Nobody wants to play a game unless they want to play a game. And you shouldn't want to play a game with somebody unless they're dying to play a game. Uh, that's the end of our episode, guys. This is the end of round two, episode one. That was I really enjoyed our top ten. I hope people enjoyed listening to it, but I, I had so much fun planning it and hearing yours and discussing it. There's nothing more fun than talking about games that are not talked about enough. Same here. I couldn't agree more. Um, and a fantastic uh, game we played this week. So exciting to always have a new VTOL assert. It's going to be hard to match the highs of getting to review, you know, sort of the summer blockbuster of gaming. We didn't even have time to talk about John Company, which we played I last know, Friday. Holy cow. John Company. Just, just remember this, people. We played John Company. We have a lot to talk about at some point in the future. We played John Company and Tiny Towns at the same time. Oh, so that's that right. is the, the Company Towns Tiny Johns challenge, if you want to. That's like Quacks and Packs. <laughs> Quacks and Packs. Yeah, Quacks, uh, Quedlinburg and Packs Renaissance is an interesting combo. And Tiny Towns and John Company is an interesting combo <laughs> that nobody will ever try. Candyland and Go. Exactly. We have, uh, you have three days left to turn in your submission to our contest if you're hearing this on the day this podcast goes live may 22nd wednesday is the final day to get your submission in and have a chance at winning a hundred dollars to spend at your friendly local game store tom thank you so much for being uh the beginning of every wonderful round we've had so far matt thanks for hosting man this is so much fun it's, it's i really i look forward to this and it's going to take a lot for me to want to talk about anything for two hours at 9 a.m on a friday but uh this is uh i, I really woke up excited to do it me too. You've been listening to Game Brain, produced and edited by Matthew Robinson. Special thanks to Daedalus for our incredible music. More on Daedalus at GameBrainPod.com. You can reach me by email at Matthew at GameBrainPod.com or on Twitter at GameBrain underscore pod. Same as Instagram. Thanks for listening and go play some games with friends or go make some friends with games. 